describes acts of extreme violence in graphic detail and may include discussions about demonology and the occult, topics that caused widespread panic during the 1980s. This content may not be suitable for children under the age of 50. Viewer and listener discretion is advised. James. I'm Dan. And Dan, where are we from today, Dan? Well, still in the abyss, unfortunately. Assuming that I'm looking at the right chat, <laughs> we're in layer 70. Is that right? Yes. Yes. We're in layer 70. Uh, excellent. I'm looking at the right chat. The this ice is, flow. This is issue seven. This is episode 70. So ice, ice flow. Is it really F-L-O-E? That's the way they spell it. Like, okay. The ice flow. This layer has had no ruler. It was a cold plain of thin ice over an ocean of black water with intense undercurrents. The ice could break easily under heavy weight. So be careful. You know, I guess you shouldn't play a half ogre. Right. This, okay. That's right. The, the cold drained away the life force of all creatures. It was discovered by Gizzarier. Oh, yeah. We'll talk about that in a second. So there's nothing here? Like we're just alone in like a wasteland of ice? We're not alone. Look who's below us. Look who's with us this time. Why don't you introduce our, our companion here in the, in the flow? So he can die yes, with right. us. We, we've, right. we've, we've invited on our journey to the abyss the one and only Rob Ritchie, editor-in-chief of Flipping and Turning, the magazine for the Grog Empire. Rob, welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. Great to be here. Excellent. And- and uh, also, he has an official title, of course, which is uh, we we always call him the Cham- the Chamberlain Brandywine, but he does have a longer uh, title than that, which I'm sure you're ready to recite because uh, you have it you have it memorized. Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. No, I, I mean I was going to ask Dan. I mean he part of his homework was every time. Well, every, t- uh, every time we get a new person, he's supposed to memorize who they are. Oh, and, wait, the emulator? No, that that's that's Cleveland, isn't it? That's right. the he's, a, he's an emulator. He's an emulator. Brandy well. is my nickname. Oh, yeah. Got see, it. I I take the first title and the last part that's and fine. put it together. You like the alliterations and the and the torture is part of it. So yes, he is the Chamberlain, his most ever incomparable honorable prince, the astounding emulator of Brandywine, Rob Ritchie. Hello, sir. Hello, I give I give liege to my grog emperors. Ah, see, and, and look with such enthusiasm. That's what we like, you know, like typical despots. It's really about the platitudes. It's not about uh, that. But unlike others, you are you are very useful because you have uh, single handedly raised the Leviathan, which is flipping and turning, which we're going to talk about later. So Rob has decided to uh, grace us with his. Uh, 
presence for the whole show. So he's going to be here, and we'll. He, he, this may be the biggest mistake he's ever made in a Saturday morning or not. We're going to find out. What, so, what is that, James? Did you tell me that the, the the viewers are dropping off like flies? Yes. Well, no. So far, everyone is still everyone. The the listener is still out there. I was so. going to say that would, that would assume we have a lot of listeners to lose. Oh, Actually, every, everyone is saying thank you very much, Rob, for your great work. They're all commenting on it. So thank that's uh, that's super cool. All right. Let's uh, let's keep this going. So as we unfortunately know, GrogCon is delayed till next year, but we, we still can't give an exact date. Correct, Dan, at this point? I, that, is, that is correct, to my knowledge. Okay. <laughs> but it, it's sometime in the April time frame. Yes. In the, in the post-vaccine, maybe? Yeah. In the, year, in the year of uh, yep. COVID-20-something. Yes, it, 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 yes, we 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 believe it will be in April. We're not specifying what year, <laughs> right? And what calendar? Gregorian, Julian, right? Uh, Plutonia. Yeah, so some we're not sure. Gygaxian. Gygaxian, exactly. Um, but in the meantime, you can play online the Grognards Guild online. We have DM Brian, who's very faithful, uh, runs the shit game every pretty much every Friday with either him or Ed. What kind um, of game did you just say? He runs a what game? Faithful game. He runs a faithful game. He oh. runs it faithfully. Oh, I, I heard something different, too. I heard, yeah. He runs a SH asterisk asterisk game. Oh. Is that how you heard it, Rob? I think he said ship game, as in it's a relationship game. That's right. It's really, it's oh. D&D, but it's about the heart. <laughs> okay. Oh. okay. <laughs> no, it runs an excellent game. Uh, in fact, he ran our... He, you know, what we—I don't even know what we call it. Basically, a little mini grog summer tournament when he was on vacation. So, but he plays every week. I think Ed's every other week. Um, if you want to play, join us on on Meetup. And um, you know, if you want to DM, we're always looking for DM. The whole point of this thing is to get people to play first edition. So we're super excited about that. And it, it's yes, it was ship shape, as people are saying. It's, I'm full of ship at this point. So. <laughs> Uh, and, and the reason we do this is because of our patrons and, uh, thanks to them. We have a few new patrons who signed up in October, but today we are going to give away, uh, something with our monthly giveaway. So if you were a patron as of September 30th, you are allowed to be, uh, you're eligible for the prize, which except for you, Rob, you are not eligible, unfortunately, because you were the winner last month. So. Well, I just want to point out that sitting next to that yellow cap is the um, the, the groggy, the light-up groggy on the shelf behind me. I don't know if you can see it. Uh, I don't know if people can see it, but oh yeah, they can. I can on my screen on the YouTube. They can't because it's trimmed out. We don't. We, don't, we, don't, we just show you pretty much your head. So. So here's how it works. I've put tokens representing all our people. It's like the souls of all those who support us are in this giant crown royal stack. It's like that spell. Right. It's like like a magic jar to all of them. Yeah. The magic jar. But in traditional, I didn't, in traditional AD&D, it's not going to be as simple as pulling one out. Then we have to roll a dice to figure out who it is because it has to be convoluted. So I'm going to stick my hand in the sack like Santa Claus, and you will tell me, when you say stop, I will pull out my hand and re- reveal a token. All right, Rob, 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 we'll let you, we'll let you Rob, do it, Rob. Host. All right, stop. Okay, stop. I stop. Uh, I pulled one out. 
It is a green token. What does that mean, you're going to ask? I don't know. I have to look it up. Hold on. Let's see. A green token. Are you okay. looking it up? I don't ask. asterisk? I've looked it up, yes. So uh, I need, Dan, I need for you to roll a D4. Okay. The pointy one. Three. Well, very good. Um, Brian Larch, our DM, he is the winner. He is the winner of this year's, this month's thing. I will reach out to him. Congratulations, Brian. And uh, I will let him know what prize he could, he has a choice of. Because right now we have choices of the, um, well, I'll, I'll give him a call, uh, send him a note. So congratulations, Brian. You are the winner. See, that wasn't too bad. See, I figured out this new system of the sack with the dice. See, each, each of these represent a tier of uh, person. That's what it means. So congratulations, Brian. You are the winner. Um, I'll give him a choice of either a mini groggy or a Keeper Blood Red Falls, but I think he bought the Keeper Blood Red Falls, so I don't want to give him a second one um, for that. So it'll probably be a mini groggy. So congratulations, Brian. So if you, you out there want to win, if you are a patron by the end of October, uh, you will then be, your, uh, your chits will be, st- chits, I said, will be in the bag and eligible to win. You're sending him some chit. I'm sending him some chit. That's right. So we've had Brian win. We've had Rod win. Uh, like I said, we've had David Thompson win. But yeah, we're trying to do this every month. And actually, I got to follow up with uh, Amanda and Carlos at Castle Entertainment because we are going to buy some of their modules. We're also looking at a very su- cool top secret prize from Jason Elliott, uh, the box set. So cool stuff. Again, thanks to our patrons for doing that because they're the ones who are making this happen. All right, very good. Moving on, Sweden, Ch- Swedish challenge. We're 143 in Sweden. That's but which is okay. Martin, who played with us what a couple weeks ago. He's holding the fort down there, but we have others. We're 42 in Mexico, 151 in Japan, 162 in New Zealand, which is fairly new for us, and 68 in Belgium. We have shot up the ranks in in uh, Belgium. What do you think about that? That's, that's pretty awesome. I think we had a review, too, that someone said we were the best RPG podcast in Belgium. I don't know if you saw that. It, was, it was, came in recently. Yeah. Uh, I've seen, I actually, I'm going to do those IT reviews. Let's see, where are they? Oh, they're right here. How convenient. That was a good segue, Dan. It's like we know what we're doing here. We had iTunes reviews. If you want your review uh, said live, just put it out there. We appreciate it. Tell us what you think. Um, oh, Canada. I don't know what the uh, uh, ranking is in Canada at this point. I'll have to look it up. Uh, with translation, we haven't gotten anyone listening, which I know Leroy out in the western part of that great country has listen to us but we i guess we need more folks we haven't what happens is if we drop off the charts they don't chart it so um so we had two reviews uh we had a review from misty 801 uh random encounters listen to a dozen actual play podcasts with the pandemic many of these have dropped off their production so i searched for new podcasts looking for some throwbacks in the 80s when i played D&D in college, and came across this one. I must say it was one of the best dice rolls I've ever made. The Random Encounters segment each week may be the best thing on the internet. Wow. Uh, Saving up money to become patron lord of Morgantown, which, by the way, this person has become a patron. They started this month, so we'll be rolling their title next month. And uh, 
Mr. Gentle Brutal says, I really enjoy the nostalgia fix of listening to first edition dice rolling. So definitely the dice rolling is what people come for. They come for the dice rolling. They stay for the banter, I guess, is what it is. Uh, all right. So very good. Thank you so much. And what else is we, what else we're going to talk about today? We just said it. Flipping and Turning, episode one, issue one, is hot off the presses. Um, Rob is our editor. He is our Tim Cask. Uh, if you want good news, is this is available. Uh, also good news is if you want to contribute, you have time. Right, Rob? Oh, yes. The, uh, this, what you hold in your hot little hands is the autumn 2020 uh, issue. We will be having a winter 2020 issue that will be... Uh, available the end of the year. So we have uh, several weeks left of assembling uh, and the all the rest of that. Uh, if there are, and there's plenty of space left, if after looking at this uh, foolishness, you would like to participate, um, by all means, we're looking for all the, all the voices of the Grog Empire. That's right. And beyond. Beyond the, the Grog Empire and beyond. So uh, is submission are due November 30th? Is that fair? That's fair. Uh, yes. And also, uh, and, and so there's a little further, uh, we have a couple of weeks later for artwork uh, submissions, the written submissions. We'd like to get them by the end of November. And if you're working on some artwork, you have a couple more weeks. Uh, and I want to particularly put out... Uh, uh, our, we lo- our artists are absolutely amazing, which I'm sure we'll get to in a moment. Uh, but I've been so pleased by uh, and, and for, by all the people who uh, who contributed to the book. That was cute when Rob said we'd get it to it in a moment. He hasn't listened to our show recently, so because you flipping and turning is like item seven on this, and we're on item one A. So that's about three hours later. But yeah, it's like uh, moments are like inches, and whether they're indoors or outdoors depends on how you. uh, That's true. How long they are. Time has no meaning here. We're outdoors. We're definitely outdoors. Now, Rob, I know what a lot of uh, listeners are wondering to themselves, and the question I think they would have for you is: is do you have standards? Do I have standards? That's an excellent question. Thank you. Um, uh, yes and no. Uh, <laughs> as far as yes goes, as far as no goes, I want to see everything that anybody has. Um, I'll be happy to work with anybody if anything needs. If they, <laughs> you have a, an item or an idea or a an adventure or a monster or something you'd like to put in, but... Maybe you're not sure that uh, it's in a uh, a fit state for publication. I've, I, I'll work with you on that. I mean, that's part of what uh, being the editor is, is, is to help people put their things in the right uh, order or, you know, get it ready for publication. If you have, uh, if you'd like to draw something, if you're not really sure what to draw, I only have five or 10,000 ideas of pictures that I would like to see. So... Um, though, yes, we have standards, which is it, uh, it needs to fit in the book. But other than that, um, we would, we, we want to see everything. Do you think this is how Tim Cass sounded with, with, with issue one of dragon before he became a curmudgeon, you know, and 
I have actually given some. I, I've actually wondered about that whether uh, Tim Cask had a similar uh, feeling, but I suspect he had uh, a more of a background in this than I do. So he probably knew a little better about what he was getting into. In other, in other words, you say you think he started out kind of curmudgeonly with Dragon I, One. I feel like we should. Uh, I, I almost feel like I should put up Dragon One versus Flipping and Turning and seeing how well you know. Well, they had more pages, and I'm sure they had advertisers that were uh, actually paying money. And readers. And readers. <laughs> well, they had... So uh, besides uh, that, it's exactly the same. Well, they came from, uh, Dragon, I think, came from Little Wars uh, and also Tactical Reviews. So they had a couple of mat- they had a couple yeah. of magazines that they were already in production before they began the, uh, the, the Dragon uh, magazine. Well, maybe the first, you know, mimeograph or whatever they used to call it, those, you know, the things that they just, you'd go print at the school in the purple paper ink, right? For those who are old enough to remember that. Then you'd, you'd, yeah. sniff, you'd sniff the ink and... Uh, yeah, yeah, it, that's good times there, so... Right. Well, shall we talk about the art, because the artwork is amazing. No, no we're not going to talk about this now. Well, oh, please is it? Fo- oh. Please follow the screen. Yes. Oh, well, because I said five. Grog talk easy, and I just assumed. Well, but that's the viewers don't want to listen to my grumblings. All right. No, this is just about introducing as a, as a gift of patrons and what we're doing. This is the news section. Now we're doing Random Encounter. It's, it's as if we hadn't done any real prep for this show. No. Well, some have. Some I missed haven't. the reading or whatever they had the table reading. That's right. Yes, yeah, right. We, well, normally, we, that's true. We, we, uh, we should have we gone over it. No, it just was I wanted to let people know it's due the 30th. Now we're on to Random Encounter. Good, because I love this. I don't mean good. Nothing personal, Rob. Well, and we have recently heard that Random Encounter is the best thing on the Internet. You should hurry up to it. Which right. is pretty impressive considering, hmm, like, what's on the Internet? Like, Hey Jude is on the Internet, right? I mean, this is yeah. – that's pretty big uh, deal to be the best all thing. All the works of Shakespeare are on the Internet, right. if exactly. I recall. The works of Eddie Van Halen. Mm-hmm. Exactly, right? That's right. I'm, I'm having wearing my wearing my Van, my Van Halen shirt from when I went last, – last time I saw him in 2008, so – very sad sadness for those that for those who are listening in the future, when you're huddled around your fire pits because the world is almost over. But yet, grog talk remains like the cockroaches. You'll be like, "What happened this?" Well, last week, uh, the man, the myth, the legend passed. So, okay, it's time random encounter. Yes. All right, let's do it. All right, so uh, we're rolling for the door. So, hey, right, let's have uh, Rob. Would you like to be our dice roller for this one? I will be your dice monkey. Is it a D6 for the dorso roll? That's exactly correct. Yeah. All right. I rolled a six. I don't know what that means. What does that mean, Jay? That means Monster Manual 2. Oh, gosh. All right, that fine. That means a D12 and a D8. Oh. No, not yet. Not quite. Oh, no, because we've got to figure out what territory. Yeah, don't All get right. it. Don't get Dan, Dan has, has a Rube Goldberg as almost as convoluted as my chit bag. My, yeah. my bag's full of chit. Um, <laughs> bag figure of out. That's right. Do you, do you collect your bags of chits and store them away? I do. Like uh, Sometimes well, I do that. Um, I also set them on fire every once in a while and throw them at my neighbors. You know, right. just to, well, because they may need some chits for something. So, All right. Yeah. All right. So I need a I D. I need a D ten. All right. I want to. I don't know if you can see this. This D ten is my original. D20 inked one to ten twice. Oh, wow. Black on one side and red on the other. 
but it still works as a D10 in case you weren't aware. One. Well, you know, that's a dungeon. Let me go. I'm sure it is. It's a dungeon. Now I need a, uh, now I need to know the monster level. So I need another D10 or a D20. That's not a D10. That's five. Okay. Monster level five. Now, sir, you may roll your D8 and D12. That's right. Yeah, that's a 13. All right. What? A giant, comma, Verbig? A Verbig giant? A Verbig. I think that's Ooh. a Mott's manual, too. That's a yeah. Verbig giant. That's a Verbig giant. Big. Is that what that means? Very big? He's, like, very big? He's very big. He's very big. Very big. You're done. Yeehaw. He's terrible. Okay, wait. I always say this, then sometimes I'm like, yeah, that wasn't so bad. <laughs> right? We need something that can, well, oh, but this is going to be great, though, because it needs something to take down. The champ, of course, is Barbarian, the elephant. And we need a, something that can take down an elephant, right? Now, how do you spell this verb big? Because I think I it might be under giant. Is yeah. it under giant, comma? Yeah. yeah, it's go to giant. It is V-E-R-B-E-E-G. <clears throat> and you got to go under giant. Don't go under veer big. Oh, yes, I got it. It's under. Oh, it's a, it, I forgot about this one. That's right. It looks. Uh, so, this is on page 69. Too bad we're on episode 70. Of the player of Much Banger 2. It's next to the iconic Gibbering Mouther. It's right here for those who are seeing on the internet. Uh, uh, yep. Dan, is, Dan is burping. Oh, still? Oh, you're. You're back now. All right. I didn't know that the Gibbering Mouther made it to the Monster Manual, too. That's pretty cool. Yeah, there you go. I didn't know yeah. that. Okay, so here it is. The Veerbeeg. The Veerbeeg? Verbeeg. Verbeeg. He's very big. He's very big. No, it's actually Verbeeg, right? Verbeeg? Well, it's the Dutch spelling. Oh. <laughs> Better big? Or is that German? Oh, God. You know, that's why I like the Monster Manual. I know how to pronounce Orc, okay? All right. They're big. Am I still with you? Yeah. I was nervous. They're big or human behemoths are a race of human giants. Oh, inhabiting the same areas as hill giants and ogres. An encounter with Verbi is 30% likely to be in conjunction with hill giants or ogres. 50% with one to six wandering creatures. Just random wandering. What does that mean? And 30% in the lair, where a total of 5 to 30 very big will be found, and 20% with <laughs> 1 to 2 plus others. <laughs> this is so long. Because very big are intelligent, they will typically command any hill giants or ogres with whom they dwell. Also, if these giants have them, they will wear protective materials to improve their armor class, i.e. hides and furs, Odd pieces of metal such as shields and so forth. While Veerbig use clubs and spears, typically those able to gain superior weaponry will do so. Veerbig range in strength from 1851 to 1800. All right, you can roll to find it. Thrown spears have normal. Okay, North. you guys are having a good time, aren't you? Oh, well, mm -hmm. This is this this is actually better than I thought it was going to be. 
Yeah, this is funny. Thrown spears of normal range with a bonus range of three inches to six inches. Thus, a veer big with 800 strength hurls the spear up to nine inch distance for seven or 12 points of damage. Each of these giants have at least three spears when encountered in a layer of veer big. There will always be a leader with 1800 strength and with no fewer than 40 hit points. There'll be two females for the leader and one for each additional male. That's sexist. Young veer big are about 50% of the total population. Over nine. All veer encounters are likely 2% per veer big to have with them a shaman of either sex. Veer big shaman can attain seventh level. Wow, that's interesting. Pretty the odd. tribal group is 90% likely to have any magic item which they cannot understand or use. Females are equal to males in combat. Young are equal to bugbears or goblins in fighting ability. The lair will include two to eight wolves or one to four wargs as guards. In Arctic climbs, one to three winter wolves or one to two polar bears will be kept for this purpose. Beer big are unusually thin for their great height. Some have deformities which only add to their rather fearsome aspect. Notable beer big are usually rogues who stalk humans. Jimmy Squarefoot and Jack and Irons are but two? Who are they? They otherwise appear to be human. All right. I'm out of breath. That you guys discuss. So, yeah, who... They must be something legendary. Jimmy Squarefoot and Jack and Irons. I'm, I have no... I'm going to look it up. Hey, look at their alignment. Parent, that's right. Ready for episode two? <laughs> You've done the research, so you might as well do it. They're parenthetical <laughs> evil. Right. I'm just going to restate what I just read. <laughs> I'm just going to send in a photocopy of this because oh. it's like all this explained. Right? So they appear to be from Manx folklore from the Isle of Man. Isle of Man. Oh. That's, okay. That's over by the uh, the other empire, right? If I remember correctly. Where's the Isle of Man? Manx. Oh, oh, it's oh, um, it's it's um, off Great Britain. Yeah, that's what I was say. The other empire. Oh, okay. That's sexist. Okay. Why don't you have a problem with that? The Isle of Man. Why is there's no women on the Isle of Man? That's right. Yeah. Uh, oh, there are very big, there are very big giants on there. Okay. Right. So this is my only question: is like, why didn't we know about these when the Monster Manual was written? If they hang out with hill giants and they're uncommon, which is not rare, why didn't we know about them sooner? Well, fortunately, the, the people in the Commonwealth, besides us rebels, uh, have heard about this. I guess Jimmy Squarefoot had a pig head. That's what the, someone from the Canadian uh, franchise of the Commonwealth said. Oh. And, of course, the Chamberlain from down south uh, has said it's between the U.K. and Ireland, the Isle of Man, for, those who, for us ignorant of that. I had an idea it was over there. Right. Now we just need to know where the U.K. is. Right. Right. Um, it's it's, it's, that, it's that it's that way it's that way. <laughs> so, start, so I should just start heading that way. That's right. Well, it's uh, so right. you know it's to your point. Wh wh why are we doing this? Why couldn't they just make Jimmy Squarefoot and Jack and Irons a hill giant? Would anyone really know notable hill giants? Because they're kind of weird and deformed. So it's basically we want a big human. Wasn't well, that a giant? No, 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 no. We, no, we, that's too big. We want sort of big. Okay, we're going to come up with something. This reminds me of Goliath. That's what it, I feel. Oh. You know, because Goliath was a giant, but he was really, you know, he was a human, but he supposedly, he was just big, but he wasn't a giant. So, so this is like Andre the Giant. 
face. So yeah. What's the hit dice on the, the Veer Big? What do you guys think? You want to take some well, guesses? I already saw it, so I can't say. I'll say eight. Eight hit dice. No, it's only five plus five. So they're... They're wimpier than hill giants. Yeah, they're just... They're, they're, they're tall guys that can throw spears a long way. Yeah, yeah hill giants. They, they, yeah, because wait, so they... If they're in the same area as hill giants, don't they... I can't remember everything I read, they're but the don't they lead? Yeah, they become the boss. Yeah, so they're, you know, I think it's because of their, it must be their intelligence, which is average to vary, and hill giants is low. So the hill giants are stupid enough to follow these guys, even though they're five plus five. Well, hill giants teach, are eight they plus teach, They teach them what to put on armor and, and use better weapons. So, you know, it's beneficial to the, to the, to the ogres and the, and the uh, hill giants. And I guess the hill giants aren't smart enough to realize they should follow suit, I guess. Well, you'd have to, you know. Okay, so they they're they're smaller giants, right? right. They're eight and a half. Yeah. How big are? Yeah, ten and a half. Hill giants, hill giants. Yeah, hill giants are a little taller. Okay, they're like your smaller, smarter brother. You know. What's interesting is they're not. You know, hill giants are chaotic evil, which is kind of interesting. And these guys are not. They're neutral paren evil, so hmm. they're not as and, bad. And they get two attacks, which is pretty cool. They get two attacks, okay. By weapon type, which apparently is a spear, which they can throw. So that's good to know. You have three of them. Yeah. Okay. I don't well, know. Well, let's They're get okay. this. Let's get this party started. All right. So you are. I am. You big are attack. very big. No, no, I'm not very big. You're the challenger. Oh, I'm very big. You're. You are. Barbarian. Barbarian. Okay. I'm, bar I'm Barbarian. Which I was watching. I am super happy about being Babarian. Oh, so I'm going to take down an elephant. That's pretty cool. You're going to be slaughtered by an elephant. Yeah. I spear at you, dude. Depends on the range, doesn't it? Probably. Oh, can I roll my strength? First? You have to roll your. Yes, you do have to roll your strength. You trust me? I, of course I trust you. Plus, I have uh, the law firm, the accounting firm of Dewey Cheatham and Howe right there, a.k.a. Rob. He's yeah, watching. I'm watching. I'm watching. And yeah, I rolled a two. All right. That sounds that sounds about right. Yeah, that's, that's an admission against interest, so I suspect it's true. Oh my yeah. god, he, he knows his he knows his hearsay exceptions. Okay, so that is a uh, eighteen to fifty-one to seventy-five. So I'm plus three and uh, three inches to throwing range. Which outside uh, does that mean? Outside, it's uh yeah, it's yards. Yeah. All right. Let's do surprise. Rob's gonna keep us uh, keep us honest here. So we're rolling surprise. Here's the elephant. What's his name again? Baba Luscious. <laughs> no, that's the wild boar. Oh, it's, this is no, this is barbarian. Barbarian. Okay. Barbarian. I'm writing it down so that he uh, that, that benefit that guarantees that it'll be killed. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Done. I ro I rolled a five. I rolled a five. Okay, so now we'll roll for distance. Hey, the good thing is that it's a. Uh, if the giant wins, we already have a name for him. Wow. Really? That's right. Jack and Irons. It's, and people are saying that's a great like heavy metal front man for the pseudo-undead. Yes. Jack and Irons. All right. So uh, you're all in distance. Yeah. So we're far. We're 100 yards away. We're, oh, at, yeah, we're in the dungeon. <laughs> oh, no. It's, it's, 100, it's 100 feet. We're, in, we're under the ice. We're in the ice dungeon because you rolled in a dungeon. We're oh, in a dungeon. Yeah. That elephant is a heavy weight on that on that Ooh. thin ice. Wait, and yeah, well, it's not like I'm light either. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh, do we have to do like saving? Should Ice have to do the saving throw? I think round underneath I, us. I think every at the end of the round we have to make uh, a saving throw versus petrification or paralyzation. Which one? Or, or okay, can we talk about this? Uh, obviously, yeah. the answer is yes because this is what we do, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Has the answer? Have I said can we talk about this? Has the answer ever been no on our show? That could I be feel a problem. I yeah, it's among among many yeah many problems. Look. Shouldn't it be an? Shouldn't it be like an item saving throw? Like I don't know if ice is on there, but shouldn't it be like? Wouldn't you know? It's like to like a heavy blow or something. Okay, if you want to do it that way. I don't know. What do you, Rob? What do you think? You're, you see, we now have someone here who can break the ties. Well, let's see. Let's let, let me see if I can. I'm not sure what page. Uh, yeah. Item save. Now it's not an item, of course. So maybe that's not right. Correct. Well, but sometimes he's kind of at a disadvantage because he's not sure who he wants to. Well, uh, uh, I, I'm going to I'm going to uh, I'm going to rule that uh, first of all, from a district descriptive uh, as a GM as a descriptive thing, you'll describe how the uh, as your feet pound across the ice, the uh, spider web of of uh, cracks appear. And you falter. I'm going to say that uh, the effect of it is that if you move more than, if you charge or otherwise move at maximum uh, speed, you have to make a uh, a paralyzation saving throw at minus four. What? Okay. But if we're just walking, are there any rules? Right, making walking, uh, then it's just a, at uh, uh, you make a paralyzation saving throw at normal and if you move half speed there's no saving throw okay so i mean like a roll like if we roll a one we fall through well you you certainly will if you move at normal speed or uh at or at you know at maximum speed but if you Go half speed. You uh, and, and and we're gonna fall through the ice, and then that's over, right? Then, then well, then 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 we have to flip to the drowning rules. Correct. Well, it says the cold drained away the life force of all creatures, so I just assume. Yeah, it, it's, no. it's it's a foregone conclusion. No, 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 no. First, then we need an aquatic random encounter. Yeah. yeah. What's because there's something swimming around there. It uh, could be. We'll it roll. Be. We'll roll. A, we'll roll an encounter and see if there is. We're a little ahead of ourselves, aren't we? Right. So, melee, come on! If we're in melee, we could both go through, don't you think? Right, and that could, and then it could just be a clash to the death. That's right. In the then we have to do freezing rules. So there yeah. you go. All right. Well, we Maybe. got a lot to think about. All right. We have, well, we didn't have a lot to think about. You've made us think more, but that's no, why. That's, no, you said no. You reminded us that we're on on the ice. Yeah, I yes, think that's that, 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 that. Thank that's you, Rob. Easy. Rob agrees yeah. with me. <laughs> Hold on, I can fix that. Okay. Hey, oh, hey wait, thanks, Rob. Right. See you. Let it go. All right. Rob's frozen. <laughs> oh, we're having some technical issues. Okay. All right. How far apart were we? We're a hundred feet apart because we said we were. He was in a dungeon. So if somehow we're in a we're in some kind of igloo, ice chamber, the, the ice thunderdome that we're fighting. An ice hotel. Don't they have like in Canada? Don't they have an ice hotel and or yeah. ice, yeah, it's like an ice chasm, like a, a, a series of caves yeah. that are carved in the right. ice. Which yeah. is and the, underneath is the flow in the ice flow is the black water, and somehow, oh, why don't we just add now that uh, icicles could fall because if, if they're too loud, uh, we should probably throw that in there as well. Okay, you got it, stalagmites. 
Yeah, you know, right? Because they're going to be screaming and charging and that echo and the vibration. So we'll have to. So now we have waterfall uh, falling through the water and icicles hitting them. Got it. This is awesome. Do I have any hill giants with me, Rob? No, you no, 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 Rob is no, 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 no. It always it's always a lone uh, a figure. Thank you. You you had a a giant ant, and there was only one of them. Unless it's a herd. (laughs) Yeah, because if that's the case, I want my herd of animals. One herd animal, please. It was it was one herd. Okay, let's go. All right. So um. So so now it's declare action. We are you're a hundred feet apart from me. Okay. All right. I am moving slowly toward you. <laughs> Very slowly. I'm See, moving on tiptoes. I am charging you because <laughs> I, I. You're committing suicide. <laughs> you hate barbarian. What's wrong? That's horrible. I can't lose either way. I'm charging. An elephant charging on it. You're going to slide. He may slide into me. I'm charging. I can't lose either way. Either yeah, I take I'm readying my spear. <laughs> That's good. You should. The charge. Right. I just, when I see him start to charge, I'm definitely going to like, I'm going to put in that, what do you call it? If, if you set, can do it. set for charge? Set. Set for well, that could break the ice there by setting it. You could be, well, that, well, are you going to take that chance? No metagaming. I don't know that. Yeah. No, All right. I'd say not. Not in this case. Oh. Okay. Well, that's I mean, you're, right. I mean, you're, I mean, you're both going through the ice by the end of this encounter anyway, so. Right. Well, I'm, I'm rolling my initiative. Six. Five. So I charge. I mean, you have to make it first anyway. With, well, if you could make it. Well, wow. What's, okay. your, what's an elephant's movement? Twelve. I get there. All so, right. Make, make your what's, – what's, uh, what's your hit dice? Ten. That's why I'm not right. too worried drop, about it. Drop a d20. Doesn't he hit at plus two on a charge? Well, this is my saving throw. This see is if his I saving fall throw through. to see if he even makes it. Oh, my gosh. No, nope, I failed. I rolled a five. All right, so in front of uh, Jack and Iron, Jack and Iron sets his uh, spear against the charging uh, uh, pachyderm that, that, that throws his uh, trunk into the air and charges forward. There's a huge crashing sound as the ice opens up beneath uh, Barbaria's feet, and down he goes with a, with a horrifying uh, trumpet and... Uh, <laughs> And the last thing, uh, uh, a shower of ice shards falls over um, uh, Jack and Iron's roll, a saving throw, Dan. Oh, you mean he's bringing me down, too? That's right. I caused the whip. idiot. That's what I'm yelling at him. Because I'm, like, intelligent, you know? I'm average to very. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And it ate. All right, so... So you take four points of damage from a from the shower of the icy shards of the uh, ice uh, that that and the icicles that fall because of the uh, great tremendous cries that echo through this chamber as uh, Barbaria descends and is lost in the inky black water below. Uh, divine intervention. Oh right, the elephant god. That's right. Roll it. I hope you get it, because this was anticlimactic. Come on. That's, this actually worked out perfectly. I didn't even learn about the Veer Beak very much. You did. You learned he's smart, and he didn't charge. See? That's true. And it does say that's why he commands Hill Giants, because they're smart. Because Veer Beak are intelligent. Not 26. Babar. Babarian is no more. Bye-bye. Wow. Okay. 
I, I, I didn't bring up the idea of rolling a saving throw to crack through the ice. That's right. Somebody else has brought that up. Well, right, that's good. That's out. good role playing. That's good oh, playing. Char. When you have three DMs throwing out ideas, you have to go with, you know. I think it was a great, great way, way to work the ref, even though I didn't realize he was the ref in this, but that's even better. I like this because now I don't have to make all the rulings and I can complain, which I like too. So it's a winner winner. I, I apologize, James, for usurping your. Um... Oh, no, dude, there's no usurping. This is, this is great. It's less stuff for me to do. I'm okay. In fact, I'm just going to like, I, you know, like on the Skype ones or the Zoom where you can fade back in your fake uh, background, background. You, know, you can kind of back up and just disappear. That, that's, that's all good. All right, good. So we learned about the verb big, and he is the champion. And you'll have to come up with another name. You, why did the elephant die? We know why he died. Why did he die? Because he tried to cross the ice? No. You named him. I didn't. Oh. Yeah, we did name him. We, ne- we didn't name the Shadow Mastiff. Then we finally named the Shadow Mastiff dead. Yeah. Goatalicious was just a goat eating gnomes and dwarves and whatever else. We named him Goatalicious. Dead. Red Dragon, Scarlet Rose. Dead. That was a great name, Scarlet Rose. That's it. So you, if you like something, don't name it. So, mm-hmm. All right. Uh, spell selection. All right, Rob, you want to roll Rob, some percentile yeah, dice for us? You can roll. All righty. Let me see where are my percentile dice. There they are. So for those who are paying attention at home, we're using the scroll rule in the Dungeon Master's Guide to determine the type of spell, which can be found somewhere in the Dungeon Master's Guide. I know that's not very helpful. I will look it up for everyone. 32. 32. So on page 127 of the Dungeon Master's Guide, the first roll, 32, says it's a magic user. Oh, now comes the illusionist. Yep. 69. Six, wow, that is a theme. That was, should have been last episode. Uh, it's, it is not an illusionist. It is a magic user spell. So now it is uh, level 1 through 9, so a d10, yeah. sir. Yeah, we're using a d10. And roll again. Yep. Two. Ten should be a cantrip. Okay, two. Then that would a the two problems I, with that. That's the book I that shall let me name. I think it should be uh, your choice if you roll a ten. You can pick from one to nine. Going oh. forward. No. But the di- oh. well, I don't know. Well, well, the dice. The dice decreed. No, it's like the it's like the uh, the it's like the uh, initial um, right. spell selection when spell you get selection. to choose. Zero okay, choice. go ahead. Pick a number, Rob. Pick a number. You don't get to pick the spell. You get to pick. You get to spell I'm gonna level. Pick, I'm going to pick six. Okay, James. Do you know how many spells are on level six? Six level. Uh, I'm going to say twelve. No, sixteen. Twenty-four. It's enormous. Oh, wow! I didn't realize that. I would yep. have guessed that. Do you know which group of spells has more? Only one. I feel like I'm Alex Trebek. Only one group of spells has more, only one level has more spells for any, any spellcaster. Do you know what it is? First level? Of? Magic user. Correct. Okay. So we need uh, D12 and a D6. Um, thank yeah, you. Rob. Roll, roll D12. I actually have a D24, which I never get to use. No, oh. It exists in 1980. You can't use it. All right. I didn't roll it. Seven. 
Extension three. Have oh. we done extension? We've one? done extension. All right, I'm gonna roll again. Okay. Twenty-three. We should probably do it again though, because I don't remember it. <laughs> Twenty-three. Stone to flesh. Okay, this is worthwhile. I mean, I why right, not? This is good. Wow. There's, a, there, there's a question in the latest episode of Flipping and Turning about uh, under the wow. Jim Mouther. The, the dice don't stone. lie. See, there you go. What's the question? Not that I haven't read it. Well, oh, we'll bring it. We'll bring it up after you read the spell because it really doesn't make sense until then. Got it. Okay, stone to flesh, and I'm hoping that there's a reverse. Uh, to this too, of course, because that would be, that's what you want, right? Why else would you need this spell? Well, I understand there's monsters that will turn you. Okay. So there are, so the stone to flesh spell turns any sort of stone into flesh. If the recipient stone object was formerly living, it will, oh, I'm sorry. If the recipient stone object was formerly living, it will restore life and goods. Although the survival of the creature is subject to the usual system shock survival dice roll, any former living creature, regardless of size, can be thus returned to flesh. Ordinary stone can be likewise turned to flesh at a volume. That's disgusting. Ordinary stone can be likewise turned to flesh at a volume of nine cubic feet per level of experience of the spellcaster. The verse will turn flesh of any sort to stone, just as the stone to flesh spell functions. All possessions on the person of the creature likewise turn to stone. This reverse of the spell will require a saving throw to be allowed the intended victim. The material components of the spell are a pinch of earth and a drop of blood. Lime and water and earth are used for the reverse. Okay. Casting time is six segments. Range of one inch per level. It's permanent. One creature. Okay. So here's my first question. So you can use this on stone. So yeah. I guess it's like go through a stone wall. I'm going to turn to flash and walk through it. And hack through it, yeah. Okay, yeah. got it, got it. Because at first I was like, that's weird. But okay, so that, that makes sense. What is it to flash off? Well, that was, one, was that in the magazine? What did we talk about stone to flesh in the magazine? Because well, people... People were asking, I don't know if it was in the magazine or not, can you eat stone in the fleshy flesh? And that what is, kind of flesh is it? That is exactly the question that was asked to the gibbering Wilder. Okay. I've, and, I didn't uh, recall this. Is it edible? Why? Why is this question being asked? Because uh, why is any question be asked? Because right. somebody was curious about it. It says, Dear Gibbering Malther, I wanted to use a, scro a scroll of stone to flesh in order to feed a starving village. Ah. My DM said that the flesh so transformed would be inedible. That seems unlikely since it can literally bring, be, literally bring petrified people back to life. What do you say? Well, I can tell you, I, 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 I of course, would defer to the Gibbering Malther. Gibbering Malther. I think you could be. It would be edible. I agree with the writer. Why wouldn't it be edible? It's right. not tasty. It's disgusting. But it's right, James. Do you agree? It should be edible. I'm. Sh I don't see why not. It just says flesh. It doesn't say what kind of flesh. Yeah, I mean that's. It's, we're not saying it's not disgusting, right? We're not saying it's like. I think it would come, I think it's going to be like the most well marbled uh, wagyu beef you could ever find. 
<laughs> Kobe, you know, Angus, whatever. Oh, right. We can have a restaurant like that then, right? Yeah. We bring in stone, we cast a spell, serve it up. First well, and, go ahead. I'm sorry, Rob. No, no, no. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say that, and you know, we, we always go to the book, the DMG, to see if it's uh, right, if it's poo-pooed. It actually makes it more interesting. In casting the spell upon a stone block, the magic user can cause the area effect to be cylindrical, if so desired, so a passage can be made. Maximum diameter is three feet, minimum one feet. So you can have a, cylind- a cylinder of flesh. You get a column. You bring in a column for the day, and... You just, whoop, now it's a big flesh column, flesh pole. This is going to get right. dirty again. The flesh, the flesh and then you just put oil on the bottom, just f- like a big gyro, and spin it. You know, like the right gyros, yeah. you just like like, a, shave off the meat. We have it at the festival. The, yes. like the, the fall harvest or the autumn <laughs> harvest. The autumn festival. One time so, a year, the wizard in the market, instead of destroying everything, does yeah. something benevolent. He comes and feeds the village. Right. That's why they tolerate him. And people bring their fields, all the farmers bring in their field stones and make a huge pile, yeah. and he turns them into um, meatballs. Exactly. And, that, and that's why they tolerate the wizard for the rest of the year, because they're like, please, don't, no, no, let him be. We must have the flesh pole for the festival. <laughs> <laughs> it's the flesh pole festival. Oh, no. The festival for the rest of us. That's right. The Festivus Flesh Ball. I love it. Well, that's Pseudo Undead's new album, The Fest of Flesh Pole. That's. Uh, they, they played the. Yeah, they're playing the Flesh That needs to be. Cause, you the know, Flesh Pole Festival. You did that, oh, no. that, that advertisement, and I want to do the list of tour dates, you know, like The Abyss, mm-hmm. you know, like The Demon Web Pits. Hoboken, New Jersey, and right. then you know we would have like yeah we'd have they play the Flesh Pole Festival. That's right. In uh, it's got to be somewhere in Wisconsin, Sheboygan, or somewhere like that. Yes, I think that's right. I agree. Fall, it's a fall festival, right? Yeah. Can I? Can I, I want to ask you though a a fairly serious question about this spell. Do you think that this idea of using this spell to get through stone? came after the idea of the spell. So my, uh, do you think Gary writes this spell up, or whoever writes the spell, let's assume it's Gary, simply to turn people to stone and bring them back to life, and then somebody, I don't know, Ernie in one game is like, well, I'm going to cast, you know, stone to flash on this wall. And Gary's like, interesting. What do you think? I know, we have to call Ernie back again, find out. I think that's undoubtedly what happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unintended. Co- or the village is starving. You have to go get the bags of wheat from the ogre. Nah, we'll just turn the. Uh, you guys gonna turn the? You, got, you guys got a stone statue? Yeah. Huh? <laughs> eat it. We're gonna eat the founder. That's right. <laughs> he comes back to life, and they just consume him. Shut <laughs> up. Wait, no, so, so, but, you know, probably what happened was, I mean, yeah, so, you know, Gary, I mean, Gary seemed to be pretty rough, right? Ernie told us that, right, he didn't, like, Gary kills him, his character, when he's a kid, and he goes to bed crying. You know, they probably were starving to death, and they probably, like, turned, like, some stone to food just to survive one of Gary's dungeons. And, frankly, can you blame them? Uh, no, I think it's a, I think there's a little easier way to do that, but, um... Teleport home. Yeah. You could teleport. Uh, 
let's see, what, what other food ways in, in Magic User, because again, if you have a cleric, you could just create food, but assuming you don't have that. You really think it's that easy? You're, it's like you'd never played in one of Gary's games, James, because you're like, I'm going to teleport. He's like, I'm sorry. No, you're in this special chamber. You can't do that. Well, I would do, I would do monster summoning then. I would yeah. su- and, and <laughs> jump on my summoned creatures. That's, that's right. Yeah. Eat them. I, I, I think it's I think it's absolutely that they were uh, he's like oh, we got to get through this wall somehow uh, if I turn it to flesh can we hack through it I mean that's yeah. why I talked about it being a cylinder right you can make yeah. a, a tunnel right I'm starting to get queasy yeah I'm thinking about that would it turn back before would it turn back before poop no the, the flesh is permanent so it rots after a while some funky ass what the duration is. The duration's permanent. It's, perm- it's permo-flesh, so... so... Do giant flies come from giant maggots? I don't know. This is... That's a good question. <laughs> they come from Lamour, Lamour not Lamours. The what's lemurs, the thing? Or- La, uh, yeah, what's the... Not the... Yeah, the... Uh, Ains? No, Mains are the, the demons like that. They, uh, the, the, the larvae. The larvae people. Yeah, the larvae. The right. They right. look like rock grub. So, okay. Osprey calls them soul worms. So, wait, can I, can my giant make, I think my giant should have to make a system shock check to get to the next game. Uh, why? Because. Okay. Well, and, and so, yeah, so that's probably, we should bring up that there is, it does mention here system shock. So for those who are not familiar with the system shock, that's on page 12 of the player's handbook. Right. And uh, so page 12 of the player's handbook t- says system shock survival states the percentage chance character has of surviving the following forms of magical attack. And it says, and we've talked about this, aging, magical uh, aging, petrification, polymorph any object, polymorph others, et cetera, et cetera. So, Wait, I got a question about that. This says that you survival states the percentage chance the character has of surviving the following attacks. Flesh to stone. I thought you just had to do it on re-entry. Is this? But it's like Han Solo and Carbonite. You got to. You could. You got to do a system shock on the initial one. Not. You have to do it on both. I think you'd have to do it coming back because. But it it, right, Rob. It does say, doesn't it say to survive? Where is it? Petrification. It says flesh to stone, including flesh to stone. Oh well, I guess it doesn't actually say on the. Uh, when it says it's surviving the following forms of magical attacks, all right, I'm sorry, Rob, I interrupted you. I guess you think it's just on return. Well, I think it's on return for a simple reason. Um, it, if um, so, let's say that you you guys are going along and the Medusa turns uh, Dan into stone. James has to make a decision whether he's going to cast his stone to flesh. If he knows that Dan didn't survive his system shock. He uh, he won't cast it. Well, how will he know if Dan made his system shock? Because he's stone. See what I mean? There's no little light next to it, like yeah, the little, solo. Nothing right. like that. Well, if you extrapolate uh, again, I've I've seen it done both ways. I typically am not as much of a jerk, but here, if you read the player's handbook and you read the example provided, the wicked necromancer polymorphs his hireling into a giant rock with the rather foolish agreement of the. Ch- Change E. The hireling must make a saving throw based on his constitution store, which is the system shock. 
using the table above. Assuming he survives, a further saving throw would be made oh. if he was again polymorphed to dispelled back to original form. Oh, it, is, it is twice. How's that sucking? That yeah, is, that is. That's that. That is one of the probably the least used rule. One of the least used rules in the game. And it's not even an asterisk or a footnote. No, this, yeah, well, it's right. Well, it's technically sort, well, yeah, it's not a footnote. What? No, there is, a, there is an asterisk about fighters, so I may do that for next one since I've seen it here. So. Well, the good news is that the system shock isn't bad. All right, I'm a gnome. I'm going to roll. Can we just see how I do here? I'm going to roll my constitution. I'm a gnome, okay? Ooh. You ought to have set, you, you ought to have set stats for it. Right, the standard gnome. So I have a 12. So I have an 80% chance. So first I'm being turned. I rolled a 1. Wow. I'm like, it felt good. And then a 76. All right, so I made it. I'm back. So we won't do the giant because I know that doesn't fit the storyline we had. But okay. Um is there, there's not, is there a wand of stone to flesh? flesh to stone? I, I seem to remember that there wasn't, and it bothered me, because I think there was one in the uh, Holmes uh, Xenopist uh, dungeon. Yeah, like a wand of petrification. Yeah, exactly. There's, it, I don't think there's such a wand, is there such a wand in the, um, there is none. See, why is there not a wand of, in the DMG, there's no wand of stone to flesh or uh, no. you know, petrification or, or returning. Don't you find that odd? Okay. So then the question is, what happens if you do a wish? Do you still have to do a system shock? Oh, no, I don't. I would say no. I think it depends on how, the, how you word the wish. I think that's right. I mean, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna wish it. I wish that I have the equivalent of a of a stone to flesh spell cast upon me. I think the. Uh, I think if you had a wish and you had numerous party members turned to stone by the Medusa, I'd say I wish that all of my party members who had been turned to stone by the Medusa could be restored to health. Uh, turn, turn back into flesh and restored to health without any uh, system shock. Without any system shock or an imperfect health. <laughs> yeah, no. If, if, it might be a little more. It may be a little more. I'd need to run that through my by my attorney, but something like that. <laughs> right. That's right. No, I think if you just said I want to come back to flesh, you know, have him this person come back to flesh, you can't do a system shock on a wish because that's not right. I mean, the wish is the wish, right? I mean, you get what the wish says. I understand that you can nitpick it like a lawyer and I guess you're supposed to as a DM but you get what you say right what I, I, I pick it like a lawyer yeah yeah but that's not you wished it if that's not you know I don't think you gotta make the wrong that's, um, that's fine I okay. like uh, a new magic item the uh, someone said which I like Wanda flesh that sounds great that should be on one of our new magic someone needs to make a new magic item for episode two we're just it's all about the magazine now right <laughs> the wand of flesh. The wand of flesh uh, that you can sell at the festival pole, at the flesh pole festival. That's... Yes, and if you, on, on the Discord, uh, Aggie, the Poisoner Protector, has just posted a uh, picture of the, uh, the, the t shirt from the, from the flesh pole 
Uh, we already festival. have flesh pole. The flesh pole festival T-shirts are already right. on sale. They're, they're they're off the shelves. They're flying off the shelves already. <laughs> Go to our Discord if you do it. <laughs> well, you, again, you'd have to be careful because it says in the player's handbook the general rule. I mean, you know that if you have to make a system shock at forms of magical attacks. Now, again, we've talked about attacks being. Uh, you know, some things are not an attack. You, you willingly accepted a polymorph, but, uh, you know, if you don't say it the right way, you could be a jerk and do that. I mean, again, I agree with you. Wish is the most powerful. Short of the de- deities, it's, it's, you know, and you're trying not to be a complete jerk, yeah, you should allow that. It depends on if the person who is uh, granting the wish is lawful evil or not. That's right. Trying to twist the... T- Twist the job. Oh, very nice. Thank you. So uh, everyone's still complimenting high praises to the thing. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Uh, let's see. Next is, um, so I think we've talked about that. So would you carry this as your normal spell? I mean, you could attack someone with it. And that's kind of cool. But would I rather have that or disintegrate, right? It's a six-level spell. I'd rather have disintegrate. I, disintegrate I, takes care of all things. <laughs> I'd keep the reverse. If I had any reason to think there was a, uh, if I had any reason to think there were, that there was a Medusa or a Gorgon or something, I'd keep the reverse. No, I'd rather keep disintegrate because it does everything. Wait, why would you just do the reverse just in general? Because I can turn anything to anything that's fleshy. I can turn to stone, right? I mean, it could be anything. Right. Well, if it's flesh already, then flesh to flesh is flesh. Then. Well, no, but I do, if, I, if I do the reverse, isn't the reverse flesh, flesh to stone? To yeah, that's, and then there's of course the first level spell, spell stone to stone, stone. which has no, no effect on right, it. right. Cast upon stone objects and they immediately turn into stone. Right, and the cantrip flesh to flesh, of course, which yeah. is likewise not useful. Um, what? Um, no, but so if I'm if I'm doing the reverse, this is this an example of a spell where the reverse is way more useful. I mean, because that now it's you could really use it to attack but it's way more effective it's not just like the reverse on like a cure like wounds where right. they're both equal yeah save or die that's right yeah right it's save it's it's yeah i mean number one it, and i don't even know if i care that i kill you or not because you're stone i mean you get a saving throw so that but if you fail the saving throw you're stone and what do i care if you die or not i mean can't i start chopping you up then you could absolutely right. if i knock your head off doesn't that does that kill you uh, you're dead already. Technically, you're dead. Yeah, you're. I think that that I think is a pretty deep subject because uh, how long do you stay dead? How long after being turned to stone can you do a stone to flesh and restore them to, to health? I mean, if you're you're on the in the happy hunting grounds, uh, having been a faithful, I think neutral good person. Wait. You're enjoying yourself in the afterlife, and uh, some uh, <laughs> avatar touch on his shoulder and says, "Yeah, it's bad news. Some joker found your statue and cast a uh, stone to flesh. You've got to go back." Wait, why are, are we sure you're dead? Why are you dead? I thought you only die if you fail your saving throw. I thought I just assumed so I'm like on solo. You're like tra- you're like trapped in carbonite. Well, that's one way to roll. Because yeah. he. I die if I fail my save. 
Is yeah, it a well, negative inference on life? But it, but if but that at that point you roll how long until your natural death, and you stay there until your natural death, and then you would die and go on. I think I mean well well now it's debatable right because you could be like in I could be like in cryovac. Or whatever, whatever it is, or it's William's head, or whatever. I can't. I just be in like. Well, there's stasis. been. There's, I'm just playing out words now. Cryovac stasis. There are, there are plenty of modules where the uh, you know the ventures come down and find some statue that's perfectly you know, crafted perf- statue. Right. Perfectly crafted statue that they are able to uh, restore. You know, Agnarak the wicked, and uh, he goes on a killing spree. After yeah. thousands of years, Grunch, so, Grunch, the uh, ogre in a train. We just did him. So yeah, that's exactly that's right. uh, that's another plus for using the spell versus disintegrate. Because if you wanted to capture someone, aka Han Solo, it's a lot easier to transport them if they're a statue. Yes, I'm a bounty hunter. And I'm then a- you also need to, you also need to, what's the one that reduced so you can make it smaller and put it in your pocket. Right. Oh my gosh, I'm like the Mandalorian. I've got the yes, so I've got this spell. Is that the grog line? I think it is the grog line, and I've got this check. spell, and that's what I do. You're right, and then I've got uh, I've got reduce, and uh, whoa, okay, sorry, cats are like attacking this cord. Um, okay, I like that idea. Well, ha- perhaps you could try stone to f- flesh to stone on a cat. I'm just saying. All right. Yeah, I'm getting close. When oh. you shelter them, they'll be much easier to take care of. Yes. Right. Which one do you want? People to come in. I got like thousands of them. It's like a garden. <laughs> Pick which one you want. I'm sure it'll survive. It's system shock. Let's see. Oops, sorry. Pick another. Yeah, I mean, it's well, I, you know, adopting pets would make it so much easier. Here's my pet. You know, people are stuffing their pets now. Just skip that step. Go right to when you get the dog or the cat. Just petrify them, and then they're safe. They will never die. They'll live forever. Yeah, I'm ready to cast that spell on me. Okay. Moving on. Uh, anything else? Yes, yeah, so that's it for Stone to Flashlight. I mean, it is true that p- p- smart players are smart enough to inspect the statue to see if it is the most amazing work, right? Sculpting work ever. Right. Yeah. If it is, they know, okay, this thing's coming to life. So they're not stupid. So, um, But yes, I'm ruling not dead. I don't care if it's a thousand years. You're like Han Solo and Carbonite. You're not starving. You're coming back. You got your memories. Which is why I decapitate every statue I always see when I'm walking through. And and it's probably why all the Greek statues and Roman statues have no heads because people are paranoid that they would come back. You're freaking out. Okay. All right. Next, we have uh, something we haven't done in a few sessions. So we're back. Have you ever played? A wizard in the heart of the hobgoblin lair. Okay. All right. Are you ready, Mr. Dan? I am ready. So this, of course, is uh, Kelly Villamere's and as well as Cameron Munn's uh, article from First Encounter magazine. And as uh, our players may remember, you are playing Elrond Baroon, the magic user, which uh, very entertainingly, he is chaotic evil. And as uh, you may recall... He started by slaughtering some elves who were talking and, I think, stealing their map. James is dead. Dead. Elrune is dead. I have six hit points. And uh, last, uh, last episode of this, we killed a white. And so here we go. 
And this is what we're trying to get back, something that was taken from us, if I recall correctly, right? Anyone? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yes. All right. We're going, we're, we're going to find the hobgoblins. Okay. After the hassle with the white, you decide that it's time to rest for a minute or two. After all, even you get tired. As you sit down in the corridor and start thumbing through your spell book, out of the corner of your eye, you detect some movement. A giant centipede is quickly approaching. You decide to, and here we go. You have ten choices. Number one, cast protection from evil on self, then attack with dagger. Two, use wand of paralyzation on it if it fails attack with dagger. Three, cast burning hands on it if it still lives, attack with dagger. Four, cast magic missiles at it. Five, use ring of invisibility, then run past it. Six, cast slow spell on it, then attack with dagger. Seven, simply throw dagger at it. If it misses, use hands. Does that mean grapple? Eight, cast lightning bolts on it. <laughs> that might be a little over. It might literally be overkill. Nine, use haste scroll on self, then attack with dagger. Nine, cast fireball on it. That should kill it. So there it is. So one is protection from evil. Two, and then dagger. Two, wand of paralyzation. Then dagger. Three, burning hands. If it still lives, attack with dagger. Four, magic missiles. Five, ring of invisibility. Six, slow spell. Seven, and then dagger. Seven, simply throw dagger. If, if, if it misses, use hands. Eight, cast lightning bolts on it. Nine, haste scroll. Then attack with dagger. Ten, is fireball. That should kill it. Okay. Rob, since you're our guest. I'm going to do C, Burning Hands. Okay. I am going to do five. I'm going to use my Ring of Invisibility and run past it. Wait, but it probably doesn't have... Oh, too late. Probably doesn't have eyes anyway. Doesn't, I don't know. Maybe it does. Um, well, don't give other people things. Just state your one. If I was oh, alive... Listen. Listening to my advice, really, that would be, it's harmful. Well, I, I almost changed my mind based on what you said. I was going to do yours because it sounds That's not good. Big. But I'm going with seven because it has hand, grabbing the, yes, grabbing the centipede or whatever. <laughs> yes, I'm going with Sounds seven. like a good idea. Grapple the dead hands. I mean, when is grappling a giant centipede a bad idea? Uh, to me, that sounds like the, the winner. So we've got... Uh, all right, so if you want to play the game, you were told what the answers are, put your thing here, and you'll win a prize of being this, you know how to play a evil wizard. Let's see, Shannon said four, Lloyd said five, David's doing visibility ring, a.k.a. what Dan did, five. Anyone else? Uh, five, four, three, two, one. All right, Dan, give us a... give us the winners. Okay, did you write down what they were so that way you no, could... I have the answers I'm dead. here. I don't care. Just, just tell people they, they wrote I, their I, own I down. Wrote, I wrote down what they were. Thank you, because I have to go back and forth. Because you know the answers are at the back of the book. You know. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. Okay. What was number one? Uh, Protection Rob? from evil, and then hit with the dagger. That's interesting. It works. No damage. Why would protection from evil? Are they evil? A giant centipede's evil? No. I don't think so. What? No, but but daggers are really uh, don't. Uh, well, I don't know. But I would have thought that the protection from evil would play a role there, as opposed to just throwing. You know, if he's going to put, I don't think I don't think it helps. 
Does protection from evil work against a parenthetical evil creatures? Are they summoned? Wait, but I thought you get... Is it only summoned evil creatures? I thought you get something from any evil creatures, too. Are we going to have to do protection from evil? It, uh, is it, was it a summoned centipede? No. 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 Yeah, if it was summoned... Uh, you, you Protection from evil doesn't help you just at all, like even a plus two against? Only for evil creatures. Does it work against evil non-summoned? If it's evil, not, against evil creatures, it does. Against summoned creatures, uh, summoned animals or monsters are similarly hedged from protected creature. So the key is summon. If they're not summoned, then they have to be evil for it to do something. So the question is, is what do I get? I get like plus two, don't I? Or plus something like two, that? they get minus two to their attacks, and you get plus two to saving throws. So does parenthetical evil work against a... Of course. Does, 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 does protection from evil give you the plus two against a neutral evil creature? Yes, absolutely. They're evil. Really? But, I, but I think that if it was parenthetical evil, I'd just make it plus one. I knew you were going to say that. I knew that was coming. <laughs> it's a, or you can do a plus two in parentheses. So the next time we meet a lich I, in Rob's game, I'm going to be like, you're really going to screw me? Lich is not evil? Well, he's parenthetically oh, evil. He's pretty evil. Pretty evil. Parenthetically evil. Sure, but he's parenthetically <laughs> But in, in, but in, you've, you've convinced me. Page 61, this is not evil. That's right. That's right. Not evil. <laughs> I'm not evil, says the list. I'm just parenthetical evil. I'm just trying to get along. I'm no more evil than a giant rat. Just trying to live my life. Best That's right. Day. Just trying to hold on. Who doesn't want a natural life? Okay. And so that, that was weird. That was weird. That's right. I mean... I, it's clearly a giant centipede. I mean, do we even have to look this up? He's not. He's neutral. I already looked it up. All right, he's neutral. He's only out for himself. Selfish thing. Okay. There's only one of them, right? It's currently one, yeah. I think. Just one. Just one. Okay. What was number... What was two? Rod of paralysis. Oh, wait. This is horrible. I am complaining. No. He got way lazy. Look at. Can you guys see the answer to this? No. Don't look at the next answers. Can you guys? See? <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you listening, not watching, two through ten say same. Every single one literally says same as E one. This is a lazy teacher. I'm so upset. This is when, this is when Kelly was like, "That dude owes me that." What did he like owe him? Like uh, twenty five bucks. So so. So, so James punching the thing was good. Yes, wow. wasted, I wasted a burning hand spell on this. Yes, the fireball wasn't even like you know you your eyebrows are singed too. You take three hit points. This is crazy. We have do we have Kelly's uh, Skype info? We do, no, he borrowed a laptop. We can't even get him on here, can we? No. This, you know, we've been forgetting to roll our D10. And let me tell you something. This one's like a one. And it has nothing to do with you, Rob. It would be a zero if it wasn't for you. You added one. It's terrible. All right. Whatever. We don't have to go on. We're done. Done with oh, that. That was quick. I like it. There you go. Well, I think, the, I think the key to that one is that it was a giant centipede. One giant centipede is a half-hit-die creature. Yeah, you're not okay. supposed to get too fired right. about it, I guess. I will now give – I'm going to save the show, folks, okay? I will now give you the proper answers, okay? These are the new answers, okay? Protection from evil self, then attack with 
dagger. Protection from evil does nothing against a neutral creature. Um, then you attack with dagger. You tried to cast that spell, and it came upon you and got initiative. You're dead. E2. Use wand of paralyzation if it fails. That should work, shouldn't I mean, the fact that I paralyze. So is, is the question, because I thought Kelly had some really good ideas here, and I couldn't wait for the answers, and then we saw that, that stuff. What, 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 if water paralyzation will still work, even though the creature causes paralyzation, right? I mean, I think that's where Kelly was heading, right? Yeah, it would, it would paralyze it. Magic yeah. paralysis. Mm -hmm. I feel like this is a situation where, like, the teacher didn't show up to class, and we just, like, have to teach ourselves. All right, we're all in agreement with that, that Wanda, you can use a Wanda paralyzation. On, it's not like they're immune because they have the ability to paralyze, right? Are we all in agreement with that? I am. Yeah, okay. sure. I don't care. Cast, cast Burning Hands on it. Well, that's very risky. Is Burning Hands a touch spell? I'd no, say. Burning Hands is not a touch spell. It's oh. a... It's a it's a it's a fan right in front of you. And 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 uh, El, what's his name? Elmore Baroon. <laughs> yes. Um, Elron Baroon. Elron Baroon. And what level is he? He's eighth. He's eight. That's right. So an eighth level burning hands is going to do is going to minimize minimum damage on that is going to do more than a uh, centipede's. Yeah. Yeah. Points. It's like the WD forty. When you use the lighter and you hit a cockroach or something. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's kind of what I do to roaches that, like, I empty. There's, like, a puddle of raid. They drown in the puddle of raid. It's a little, this is overkill. And then you set yeah. it on fire. And then I set it on fire. Right. And then I tried it. And then I, like, I better clean it up before my cat eats it. Okay. So burning hands, sure, but you've wasted burning hands. Magic missile would be way overkill, but it would clearly, I mean, it would just, again, it's like the raid or whatever, like the. The, uh, the WD-40. You're, you're scorching that thing. Okay. Ring of Invisibility. Kelly wrote on here the Ring of Invisibility lasts for one turn. Is that how rings work? I assumed like the Hobbit. And when I put it on, I'm invisible forever? Okay. It's not forever until you do that. Don't forget, don't forget that in this, in this particular scenario, if you use your Ring of Invisibility, it's gone. If you use your Wand of Paralysis, it's gone. You put a line through it, you can't use it in future, oh, future that, encounters. Yeah, that's why he did that one turn, right? To put a limit on it, right? Yeah. So it's yeah. gone, and you can't use it anymore. Like, wasting a ring of invisibility on a centipede is very wasteful. Right. But but in, in, in the real world, so to speak, it would be great because you can put it on, put it off. You're like Bilbo, correct? Well, does he say put on a ring of invisibility, then attack with dagger? No, run then run past it. Ah. So how do centipedes? Do they have eyes? How do they? How do yeah. they sense you? They have they, eyes. They got. They can stay have eyes. Bugs have eyes. I didn't know if they like just by the antenna, like senses things, you know. And it wouldn't work. I didn't know if he was trying to do that. That like good luck with that. He knows you're there. You know what I mean? Are you looking up the picture? I'm just keeping myself entertained at this point. Yeah, he's right. He's 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 reading the latest issue of Golf Illustrated. <laughs> well, and centipedes have eyes. Okay. All right. All right. Yes. So so that's how they would see. So that would work then. They rush forward to bite their prey. So unless their antenna reach out mm -hmm. so far ahead of them, and they move okay. at fifteen, which is the scarier part. 
which I didn't realize. Ooh. So we need a little know a little bit about like you know how wide the passage and all this, but I assume I'd get by it pretty. I just assume Elrond injects himself with. Po- I would have just said I walk, I pet it because I'm an evil magic user. I probably inject myself with centipede poison every day yeah. to get immunity to it. That's right. It's the only well, way that- to feel things anymore. Right. Well, now that's what players will do. So let's say you kill a giant centipede. Can you extract its venom? From, now, you got to be able to use poison, right? So right. there's a lot of question marks well, on that. Evil. Literally question marks on that one, correct? Yep, you're evil. If you're evil, you can do it. If you're an assassin, I can do it, which, of course, means I'm evil. And I can use it. Otherwise, what if I'm evil? It, well, it's up to the DM. There's a whole section in the DMG on that, isn't there? About and, using and, poison. And there, yeah, and there's a whole section in the player's handbook about which character classes can use poison and which ones cannot. Aren't there a lot of question marks, or no, or is it no? Oh, maybe you're right. It's just no, 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 no. No, 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 no. Yes, and oh, is there a question mark on any of them? I, you'll soon tell us. Well, what? Oh gosh, where is that? What are you doing? Oh, I know where it is, poison. Yeah, all right. Cleric is never, but we got footnote, James. I bet. A lot of, footnote, a lot of asterisks here. I know. This prohibition is strictly for clerics who are not of evil alignment. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, right, right. So, so okay. So they can question mark on druid, question mark on fighter. Oh, the paladin is never. Right. He's, it's a ton of question marks. So then the rest one is just basically, uh, the, no, the question mark indicates... That the use of poisons is possible, providing the referee so allows. Uses and limitations are determined by the referee with suggestions in the DMG. So players are going to want to extract poison. How would you would you make them do a roll to make sure they don't? Yes. Yeah. Like if it goes in a little. Because you could have, you know, like you know how you like you're dealing with a lemon, as one does. You're fondling a lemon, as one often does. And you feel a little pain on your finger. That's the, that's realize, the third album, fondling the lemon. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> the Is that a Led Zeppelin tour. song or something like that? I think Everyone, it's like a blues, like a old blues, out. Delta blues thing. Something like that. Yeah, my favorite album from them was the FTL. <laughs> the FTL album. <laughs> Whoa, it's just getting bad. Okay. We entertain ourselves. As my wife would say, you guys sure do entertain yourselves, don't you? Mm-hmm. So, so then, no, but you know how you feel like a little bit of pain on your finger? Yes. And you know you're cut. And so oh, that's yeah. huh? if you're you 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 may have a nick or a break in the skin that you're not even right. aware of and you're, uh, you're, right. you're getting in there and you're trying to rip out this uh right. poor centipede's uh <laughs> venom sack and you say what what's that? Make a saving throw. You'll yeah. find it. You'll and find you, out. And how do you even know where the where the, it is? It's not like you're a biology major. Uh, how, I wouldn't even know how to find. Well, there are uh, some would say that the, unless the spe- the monster manual listing specifically describes the uh, the things that can be harvested from the body of the creature, then no such harvesting may be made because what is it? It's silent on the issue. So that means there are some that it says you can harvest the poison well, from them? I think if you were to, for example, look at the listing for elephant, you would find a listing for the value of elephant ivory trust, tusks. Mm. Well, they do talk about, and I, I'm, the, some of the comments is uh, Dragon81 talks about harvesting poison, so you could look at Dragon, get some ideas. There's also discussions about harvesting 
items for magic items, you know, fantastical creatures, which are not necessarily documented in the monster manual. Like, I think the example of the scroll of, or for a potion of healing or scroll of something was an ogre magi horn or something. I don't remember what it was. Yeah, the ink, the, the magical inks for writing down scrolls, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, the, it's clear that they didn't want to make poison because who wouldn't use poison? Everyone, they're trying to, to cold shower the poison. I'm sure everyone and their mother would want poison blades if they could get away with it or chuck poison sacks at people. So they, he's trying to make, I would make it difficult. There's well, a temp uh, in the assassin uh, class description, it, it shows that how likely it is that you know, that uh, somebody using poison will be chased out of town by the town guard, immediately attacked by anyone who witnesses the poison's use. Well, so why didn't they use poison more often in the Middle Ages? So I mean, it's not like armies went into battle with poison. I mean, and, and there's obviously lots of giant centipedes around that they could have gotten it from. So why why wasn't you know, I mean, they weren't going to war with with lots of poison. Well, they used well. It's assassins, like in the if you imagine, uh, uh, I'm imagining like the Italian Renaissance. You know, people uh, killing each other all the time in Venice or whatever. I think they use poison a lot. Yeah, but that's what that's the difference when you're poisoning someone's drink. I mean, they're doing that now in in other parts of the country, world, which, I, of course, I'm not going to talk about because I don't want to be poisoned. But uh, the, the, like, I think the challenge is, is that blade poison is very difficult. It doesn't last on it, and even though that's what he says in the DMG. So hurling these vats of poison, unless people are, like, opening their mouths up. Uh, and I guess if you've been hit by a broadsword and you're gashed open and the poison gets in, you have other problems. <laughs> the fact that's that, true. The fact that you've been hit by a broadsword. Yes. Oh my God! I've been, have I been poisoned? You've run me. You've run me through. <laughs> Please tell me your blade wasn't poisoned. Right. I wish it was poisoned at that point. Yeah, I wanted to be poisoned. I want to go. Right. It's just. Right. It's just more problematic. I think it's problematic. I mean, for. I think it is. It's probably very hard to use. Right. It dries up quickly. It's difficult to handle. So yeah, I, I so think I do, that's... I do love the idea of the of the uh, general riding along the front of his uh, army, handing out small vials of poison <laughs> to everyone. Now be careful! Don't be careful applying this to your blade. Right? right. Have you done? Had the train? Did he go through the train? Did you watch the, the video? Training? Uh, uh, what do you call it? Occupational training? Did you sta- sign the waiver? Training. More importantly, yeah. did you sign? That's the... right. This could be dangerous. All right. I didn't sign up to poison myself. Let's, All right, hold on. Let's, we're, I think we've we said everything we wanted to say about flipping. Oh, well, let me go real quick. Hold on. Oh. No, we're, we're not done with these because these were terrible. Okay. So hang on. So invisibility ran past it, slow spell, and then attack with dagger. That'll be easy, right? You'll kill it easily. Lightning boat, you'll just obliterate it, right? A waste of it. Haste, fine. I mean, you'll obliterate it. I, and and fireball. So okay. So maybe I'm being too hard on Kelly. So is, is, is Kelly's basically yeah. You got an easy one. Yeah. So, so so would Kelly come back and be like, seriously, Dan? It's a freaking giant centipede. Anything will that will all. The bigger issue is with the encounter. The encounter's poor. That's if you're going to complain oh. to Kelly. That's the complaint. Why is an eighth level guy? Why are we even dealing with this centipede? It's 
Maybe that's it. You should step over it. Well, yeah. Well, right. we're gonna, it, one, of, yeah, one of them should be smash with boot. Right. Yes. I'm going to roll for my space, but you could be killed, but it's like plus four is your save. Yes. So if I'm an eighth level magic user and I get plus four, everyone's <laughs> reaching for their DMGs. <laughs> so you guys are both looking the same way. Oh, is that ma oh, does that matter? No, if you, assuming you got poisoned, it wouldn't matter. Have to be hit by a by a level. Oh, that's right. I have to be hit. You're right. I mean, I have to be hit. My AC is where is my AC? I don't see it. I, oh yeah, you got it there too. I don't see. I mean, it's, it's probably like oh, well, it's his, my dex death. his dexterity is sixteen, so it's a minimum of eight. Okay. It doesn't seem to have any. Uh, oh, he has a cloak of protection plus one. Yeah, so that will help your save. He's got seven. All right, so let's – okay, can we do this? And I know, James, I know you, you want to move on. I get it. But I was so unhappy with Random Encounter after – you know, you knew it was going to stink when somebody writes that Random Encounter is the best thing on the internet. I you thought the Random Encounter was great. It was uh, – we, we – we, why was it good? We demonstrated DM Fiat, right? Rob came in. He took over. And he said, this is what we're doing for this thing that wasn't in the rules. We, have, we accepted it. I made player agency, gave us player agency, failed save, done. And we had an exciting encounter. And That's it was done in five clearly minutes. clearly not what the listeners want. They don't want clear decisions, efficiency, <laughs> moving it along. They hate that. Have you read the reviews? Okay. We're going to do Fireball. We're doing hey, a everybody out there. Please, please put a review about how the, uh, the the random encounter for number 70 was the best one of the series. Right. Okay. Right. All right. Fair enough. Okay. I'm rolling for initiative. I'm the giant centipede. You're Elrune. She's looking at his clock, his watch. All right. Someone roll a D6. I'm doing a lightning bolt. I just want to see what happens. Like, let's do the. You said this is an easy encounter. Let's see. I rolled a one. I rolled a five. Oh, he gets to attack you, so that's good. All so right. Who, you're Elrune? Yeah. No, no he's the centipede. You're centipede. Right. Attack. So roll your D. What'd you roll? 16. Whoa. Oh, my gosh. And I'm like AC8. I mean, I've looked at the picture. I mean. AC7. Oh, I'm AC7? Oh, okay, sorry. All right. If, let's if, see. Well, you oh, need to know what his. protection. Is that what you're giving me? The cloak yeah. protection gets me to seven? Yeah. Yeah, what, what's what is he? He's zero hit dice, right? Yeah. He, he needs a fourteen. I hit. Oh my gosh! So now save. I have to roll. Save. Save. You got plus one because of your cloak protection. And plus you know, four because the poison's weak. That's right. So I'm plus five. At least. Let's you mean see. at least? At least, and it could be more. I don't know. Let's roll. What'd you roll? Seven. Oh, now now it is interesting. Because I think your saving throw normally is 13. I'm a level... Oh, that's right. That's not fake. Because level 8, because they go up slow, don't they? For magic users, they get the yeah, wide range. You need a, th you need a 13, 8th level magic user. You got plus 4 because it's weak poison. Plus Eleven. 1, cause of, plus plus one, one because plus. of the cloak. 12. There's so no is there any... Well, someone here, Lloyd says you get plus 8 save versus poison. Poison save... So I don't know where he gets the other pluses. I get the plus five. Plus four to saving throw die roll. Right, it, plus four modifier. That's right, and plus one because of his uh, cloak. So 
you, t- you roll the seven, you add plus five to it, it's a 12. It says you need a, th- uh, it says you need a 13 versus poison. Did I just die? Yeah, you're dead. You, just you had to push it. Yeah, you had to, you had to go there. So, so the giant centipede, in fact, just killed the eighth level magic user. Well, he didn't kill, he killed you, your version of eighth Other people wait are still second, playing. Wait a second. Poison takes, here we go, James. Oh. You know what's coming. Well, you yes. know, you're not, it's not death poison, it's paralysis, right? No, oh. it's death. No, he's dead. Or no, you know, maybe, I think it is death. It's dead. It's yeah, just it weak. Says, in many cases, this poison is weak. I like how it says, in many cases, this poison is weak and not fatal. Add plus four to saving throw. I think that just means it's often not fatal. That's why you get the plus four. That's right. This is not one of the often cases, (laughs) right? It's not one of the many cases. Yeah, it's not paralysis. It's death. That's right. But it's in a minute. Would I get my spell off? Right. Or am I like, because I'm all like, this poison is taking control. I'm slurring my words. I probably would be slurring my words, wouldn't I? Yeah, you, yeah, you can't. You're you're dying. You're dying. You can't. You can't cast a spell. The only thing, it, 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 according to previous rulings, the only thing you can do is call for oh, yeah. divine intervention. That's right, because it's been interrupted. Yeah, your spell didn't go off. You got interrupted. Exactly. Yeah, once it hit, it's done. All right, I'll roll for divine intervention. I like how he got a second rat. So this yeah. random encounter was better than the previous random encounter. It's really? how it's as quick and anticlimactic. But okay. Hilarious. Because a giant centipede killed an eighth level magic user, Elron Brune. I did not, my prayers were not heard. Probably because no. I'm slurring my words. 31. <laughs> All right, that's it. All right. There it is. You're stuck in the abyss. So now you're dead too. Right. So now Rob's the only one who can play this game. Chaotic evil. I'm going to the abyss. Yeah. I, I think that this was, this was a dream from which Elron Brune awoke. And then reality was that, what did you do, Dan? Did you? Do a ring of invisibility and run away. Yes, I actually did the ring of invisibility. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, all right. Cool. All right. All right. Very good. Well, that was a, a nice tangent. For those who like tangents, they got their tangent. Mm-hmm. But what do we really want to talk about? This is what we want to talk about. Two are our, our two big segments. One is, of course, why we have Rob on. I mean, we'll have Rob on anytime he wants, but. The, the main reason is to talk about, and I'm, and I'm sorry, I'm going to be uh, covering your lovely mug to show your pride and joy, Flipping and Turning, Episode, Issue 1, Fall. A good choice. So we, I have that up for our viewers. So that, again, if you go to our Discord in the show notes and you go to the general, there is a link in the general channel, there's a link. Please join us on Discord. Uh, we, we, it's, it's a lot of fun out there. Uh, there's two Dan Gromanskis now, apparently. Um, <laughs> and, and, and I can say for sure that Dan, uh, if he's out there, it would be few and far between. I go out there at least a few times a week. If I'm, and Rob's out there frequently. because So it's a lot of fun. You want to talk to us, ask questions, and, and more importantly, spend time with others who, who like AD&D and old school gaming. So please come out there. So... Episode one, I'm showing the... Oh, actually, I think what we can do... Well, well you know what my new uh, picture is on Facebook and on Twitter is, don't you? Have you seen no. that, James? No, I haven't. I have to go look. It's Aggie's drawing of me. Oh, that, oh yes, I have. And it's wonderful. i got to change yes. mine to that, too. I love it. Thank you so much. 
Aggie did a nice job. She presented that on the Discord. Yes, she did. And I just assumed I could use it without infringing her copyright. But I'll I'll wait for the letter from the lawyer, and then I'll desist. Well, now they want to know, is it going to be Verbig versus Centipede next time? So... <laughs> Wait a second. No, they're right. No, we can't exit. No, because we've already talked about the giant tennis. We wouldn't learn about something new. Don't we need to have a Verbig versus Centipede now to see who goes to the next show? You got, oh, there's the eye roller. I saw it coming. Uh, wait a minute. Let me, let, me, let me hide behind the magazine. You can still see it, but they can't. Okay. How do we do? It's up to you. This is, this is, that's what's great about this show. Now, the Giant's the champ, isn't he? He's the champ, right? I mean, the centipede is, he's in another universe. That's he true. Killed, right? It really it should be the centipede continuing on instead of Elrun. <laughs> in, in, in the, uh, right? Instead of Elrond, you're now playing a giant centipede. It's a giant centipede in the heart of a hobgoblin lair. <laughs> well, they were saying he's probably looting the body, the centipede. He's going through Indeed, it. He is. He's, he's nibbling on that scroll, you know? Putting on the cloak. Putting on the cloak. <laughs> this is awesome. Um, all right. So um, so what shall we tell you? So I thought this this came so, out. Rob, this is amazing. So I, I think you, I'm sharing the screen. So you can. Yep. So there you go. So we can. So again, this is our first episode, uh, first issue. And again, thanks to um, Rob. So let's start with the, your introduction. What was your motivation of the introduction? I know being the first episode. Kind of walk through oh, that. Well, the first issue, of course, you have to uh, kind of describe why you're doing what you're doing, and uh, obviously, it is uh, fear. Uh, I was forced by fear of my uh, my overlords into doing something, so to undertaking such a terrible uh, undertake, under, a terrible thing, and uh, you know, the fear of the horrible punishments that would be uh, put on me if I did not. Uh, succeed that's basically it awesome thanks (laughs) (laughs) and what was great about it is you know so many of these things rob has uh incorporated stuff from the show which of course is very flattering and very nice and and of course the wizard in the marketplace that's something we aggie Pryor's beautiful drawing of the wizard in the marketplace in the corner that's all that is great is that a magic jar and uh you know, so the wizard in the marketplace, of course, coming from the fact that we like to imagine what a wizard would do with some of our spell selection uh, discussions. Well, I think you envision some get off my lawn <laughs> wizard who's yeah. a curmudgeon who's yeah. kind of, he's rich, I, retired. What does he else have to do? Oh well, uh, it, it, the uh, character of the wizard in the marketplace uh, gets a little development. Going forward, I, I can I can now uh, reveal that the wizard is a chaotic evil alignment. Excellent. Is his, are his initials E B? E B. Yes. I, oh, perhaps. Okay. I thought about. I actually hadn't thought about that, but I think I think that's now canon. That's right. <laughs> With a propensity to uh, risk death when doesn't need to. Yeah, exactly. Well, this is before he was killed by the. Uh, we're going That's back right. in time before. Oh, this this is like the Marvel universe now. We've got side yeah. stories back pre Yeah, exactly. <laughs> retell the retell the origin story. 
Well, you know, we've talked about this, James, where we would like to have, remember, like a, a gnome illusionist assassin, and yes. he's like his symbol's the giant centipede, right? He sends giant centipedes into people's bedrooms at night. Right. So maybe that's what happened. Elrune was maybe targeted, for that's all we know. It. That could be, and he didn't, he didn't choose wisely. So um, it's a great introduction, and then um, for whatever reason, Rob decided in his editorial edict to put my little contribution in. So again, thank you. It was a lot of fun. So I talk yeah. about the assassin's table. Go ahead, Rob. No, I'm just saying it was a great, great, uh, a great contribution. I look forward to all the rest of them. And James, well, it's what, all downhill what, from there. What, what asterisk or footnote were you discussing in this article? So we've talked about many times that AD&D has what we think are pretty clear rules, and then you look for an asterisk or footnote, and it totally changes the mindset. And so this one is about the assassins are very powerful uh, combat, have a combat ability that if they surprise uh, an enemy party, they can roll on the assassin table to instantly, if they are successful, kill their victim. Well, what was fa- there's a little asterisk that says this also applies to normally sleeping opponents for all players, uh, which is crazy. You know, that's the idea of this. Uh, everyone is an assassin, basically. So uh, that's what I talk about here. So this, the, uh, the series will be about what we think is the rule, and then there is this little offhand comment that changes the rule or, or changes our understanding of it. So uh, we've talked about it a number of times, and uh, it was a lot of fun writing. So thank you. All right, and, and then we've got to write. So and, and I don't know if scrolling. I can't see it. But, uh, oh, you can't see it? I'm sorry. That's okay. Terrible Monsters, right? Terrible so Monsters we, is next, yeah. So, Rob, I assume you encourage people to send in their Terrible Monsters. A- absolutely. The first one and uh, the first Terrible Monster uh, that was entered was by a friend of the show, Rick Dorso. A, uh, and, yes, uh, please send in your ideas for Terrible Monsters, and um, it, perhaps you'll see them in upcoming issues. And, and, Rob, is any monster too terrible for inclusion? Oh, absolutely not. The more terrible, the better. Perfect. Right. And this one was pretty terrible, wasn't it? Well, the wizard did give it a terrible rating. <laughs> Elrune. Elrune's rating. And then, of course, um, obviously, you know, the most highly anticipated uh, article, of course, a Parenthetical Evil. And I think, so. so this is my column, uh, the point being talking about a monster which is neutral paren evil. And uh, somebody had asked why that title instead of uh, Neutral Evil. And I think, Rob, actually, I thought you had come up with the idea of the title of Parenthetical Evil. Oh, actually, you, you, you said Parenthetical Evil early on when you're discussing uh, it. So it's really just a quote, as, okay. many, as many of these things in this book are. Well, great. Well, I, I like the I like the title, so I I not remember using that phrase, but I do like the title. And so I chose the giant rat. I like giant rats and uh, trying to make a plea that giant rats are not just simply used in a very boring way, uh, but that you think about uh, the way giant rats would behave uh, in your dungeon and to, to, to play them more, uh, more accurately as we would think a giant rat would actually behave, not just simply as a boring encounter. Uh, and then my, I love this. So, so Rob, is it fair to say the ask the gibbering mouth or, or gib, you know, that's a thing too. Is it gibbering or gibbering? Gibbering, I would think. 
I'm sure it is. Is it giblets or giblets? Giblets. Got it. So the gibbering mouther is basically, is this uh, the flipping and turning equivalent of sage advice? I would say that it's more or more authoritative than sage advice. <laughs> the, gibbering mouths, the gibbering mouthers' rulings, as it says in the title, are final and binding on all games <laughs> in the empire. So, so this is more equivalent to uh, the polyhedrons. Uh, what was it? Uh, dispel, dispel confusion, I guess. Correct. I mean, this is this is it. I mean, this is the highest. There is no appeal. So of course you could bring an appeal before the gibbering mouther, but it is not even, successful unless the gibbering mouther rules in your favor. There's not even an appeal to um, the emperors. Uh, well, that would be in the charter, which we have to go over again. Actually, Rob asked us for our char- the charter I work we worked on. So yes, I, I I did review that charter. It was a uh, quite uh, an interesting foundational document. Yeah, so we'll have to work on that again. It was, uh, meaning it was two emails. Um, okay, so this is very interesting. So you have questions. Which, again, look at the one in the second column in the middle. It's, this is why the dice don't lie. Mm-hmm. Rob picked six level. We rolled stone to flesh. It's right here in the magazine. Yes, the hungry. That's right, and he answered it. And what did he say? Does he say yes? Yes, he agrees that it's uh, perfectly uh, edible. Got it, got it. So, yes. Yeah, so, there, there's also the, the first question, of course, the inaugural question of the Dribbling Mowler uh, uh, is concerning the status of gnomes within the, um, within the game. Yeah, I think, and, and you know, it's, it's, he, he kind of walks a fine line there, doesn't he? Yeah, he's, he's, he's political. Yeah, he's, uh, <laughs> clearly, clearly the Dribbling Mowler knows who the emperors are. Yeah, the gibbering mouther knows who feeds his gibbering mouth. Um, don't don't bite the hand that feeds the gibbering mouth is, I think, his uh, slogan. And then next, I, I got to tell you. So then, you know, the new NPC class, uh, the Link Boy, probably my all-time favorite NPC class, um, uh, even above the anti-paladin, is the Link Boy. And I can tell you. Rob, don't get angry with me, but I'm going to give him a little bit. You know, you got to let people know there's more coming. There might be another NPC class in the next in issue two. So if you liked the Link Boy, there's more to come. And and I think the Link Boy is is, is a lot of fun. And Stable if you boy. didn't like the Link Boy, the next one's much, much better. Right. <laughs> or much, much worse, depending upon. You're either going to love it or hate it. Yeah, that's true. And then, of course, Saul's Throb and Tingle Magic Emporium. Of course, we joked about Saul, who is our uh, kind of crazy uncle magic user, and the Throb and Tingle Magic Emporium. So and, and ma- any magic, a lot of fun magic items there, right? That's right. That's from uh, GM Brian. Okay. Our okay. Captain General. That's exactly. Which next, I'm going to have to reach out to him because a number of our new patrons all, res- all want to claim parts of Appalachia. So it's going to be interesting. He's going to have to adjudicate. I got to get with David because I'm not sure it's going to, if it's not cannot be handled uh, amicably. Then we're going to have to use David Thompson's rules for adjudicating that. So, oh, the Limner would be good. They want to oh, see the Limner. Limner. Yes. Oh, that's a good right. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. I don't know how to, 
A Limner uh, class? Yes, the Limner class. Yeah, don't you remember uh, the yeah. I don't know how useful. Was it Pixie though. or was it Glades who was a limner? Uh, Glades was the limner because yeah. she yeah. was the one who was uh, crafting images of hobgoblins being murdered horribly. And she, someone said, "Your painting sucks. Why don't you go kill them instead?" So that's when she became a ranger. Right. I'm not sure how useful a limner is, though, as a member of a party. Well, I have to give some thought to that. Right. That's the challenge, right? That's the challenge. Indeed. All right, and what else What else do we have? Well, next we have an essay by Mignon, a.k.a. Rob. Not, who is not the, the same Rob. Not the same Rob. He's the, uh, who's the uh, famous not only from the Grog Empire, but also from his podcast, Confessions of a Wee Tim Rispushi. Yes, very He's, a wonderful podcast. Very fun. Wonderful podcast, uh, we uh, and he has a discussion about the some of the roots of uh, the development of AD and D out of uh, original and uh, and uh, basic and basically how <laughs> this is a very interesting story about how uh, Gary Gygax uh, basically became the godfather of AD and D, leaving some other worthies perhaps quite legally behind him <laughs> and some 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 great artwork down there i, lo- I love that one in particular that's, right. that's aggie that's down there did that right no, no, no that's adrian oh i'm sorry my probably adrian that's yeah, that 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 is of a uh earwig no excuse me ear seeker excuse me seeker it's not yeah ear seeker um yeah that's a that's a great one so great artwork throughout and Adrian just came on. Thank you, Adrian. We're just praising your work, you and Aggie's artwork, for making this first episode what it is. Awesome. So thanks to thanks to all who helped. So we're just kind of going through it. Yeah. Yep. Right. Spells from the Future? Yeah, Spells from the Future is a very interesting uh, uh, column. It'll be uh, a regular column of uh, spells that were... Uh, plundered from the future and presented for use in AD&D. So these could be spells that perhaps your uh, your DM might put in the hands of a, uh, a wicked uh, magic user in an encounter. I love Castigate. That's my favorite of them. And I, have to, I really think we need to remember that when we do the tournament next summer to, you know, try to incorporate as many of these things as we can, you know, these spells from the magazine and, and some of the new monsters. That's the optimism. I, you know, last time you were going to set everything on fire. Now you're thinking we're going to be alive long enough to have a summer tournament. That's wonderful, Dan. That's I'm, good. I'm, I'm nothing if not manic. <laughs> I need to get the like that. The, the only thing you can depend on from Dan is his manic behavior. Correct. I'm very consistent in that way. Um, okay. So, and then, um, Rob thought some people might actually care about, no one cares. About us, but, but, well, this, this one, this one, I, I have to admit this one wasn't as great, but I think the future what? episodes of three questions will be of much greater interest. I like how, I like how each answer, like James has like two sentences and I have like a paragraph. <laughs> You're not the only one that, that noticed that, uh, yeah. It's well, like, I, I wasn't given 
When in, I, I come from the school of less is more, what right. is brevity is the sign of wit, uh, right. that kind of thing. Right. When, when right. given, uh, when given a specific how much sentences, I'd be happy to meet the task. Because yeah. space is limited. That's you know we I know uh, initially we were concerned about content, but we got to thirty two pages, which is awesome. Yeah. And then uh, I love the fact that we have an entry for the gnome realms here. Oh yes, uh, yellow cap and bigly nut brown came through with an extensive. Um, an extensive uh, excerpt from the forthcoming tome of the Gnome Realms. Do we and, want to discuss the controversy of the picture? That's the question. Do people want to know? Do people want to know the backstory of that? Because this is why people are listening to the podcast. So there was another picture here um, that Dan. Can I say objected to? Is that a fair statement? Correct. So could you describe your objection to the previous picture? So the previous picture was there was a a burrowing mammal in front of a gnome. A gnome was... Well, you didn't see the whole mammal, correct? You did not. You saw the the back quarter. (laughs) It was a giant badger. You saw the back quarter of a giant badger, and the Mm -hmm. gnome was up behind. The behind. He was up Uh, the behind or just behind the badger? He was obscured somewhat yeah. by the badger. It was un- it was unclear what was going on. It was it was suggestive. I think it was very clear that the badger or the creature and the gnome were looking forward. And the caption was what two buddies hanging out or something. I, I, it was a, a gnome and his giant badger buddy faced the world together. Mm-hmm. Okay, and there was you know I was concerned. Look. You know, we've got younger listeners and, and, and sure readers, you know, of this. And so I was just trying to protect, you know, I, I was, just, of, of I was just trying to I was just trying to show how what how much gnomes and um, their burrowing mammals get very close in the right. course of, you know, their adventuring together. They have deep affection for each other. Sure. It's, it's not just transactional. Between when they talk, they talk the language of love. Well, needless to say, after 45 minutes at least of discussion, you can figure out what the result was. Because here we have Nibbles with Gnome Companion. See, and it's funny because it's Nibbles with Gnome Companion, not Gnome with well, it was funny until you pointed it out. Then it's not as funny. Right. Right. The joke dies in the telling. And not nearly as funny as the illustration, I guess, that didn't get included. Well, the illustration itself is, of course, but one bit of the article. Yes, let's not let the illustration obscure the, the article itself. I will say we should have a separate, like the, the orange version of Silver Princess. We should have yeah. that reserve version that we bury yeah. somewhere. You should take one to the dump. <laughs> Right. Oh no, that's the that's the one we sign and hide. We're gonna sign and hide one. Yes. We could have, you know, maybe we could have printed that first one, and you could like, but it would be like you go to your local gaming store, and it would be behind the counter, in like the brown bag or something. Or and they like, get it, they get it home, and they're like, "This is terrible. Why, why was this 
such a big deal. I just honestly think some at the game. I want to take this to our local game shop and just like have it under glass and like a hundred dollars. Yeah, just to see if someone will be like, yeah, it must be worth a hundred dollars. Yeah, well, the, the important absolutely. thing about this article of the, is that it finally forgives rules for um, how a gnome can attract and use utilize burrowing mammals in an adventure. Attract and use. I like that. Right. Not right. That's exactly. See, now, I think the listeners can pretty well understand why I won this debate with the picture at this no, point. No, I think it was because we the image was using the gnome from the monster manuals. And, 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 and part of the giant badger uh, monster manual picture. Right. And it was just, I, I don't know. I didn't think it was, I mean, you construed that, but that's kind of like seeing Jesus in a toast kind of thing. I didn't see it. It's just toast that had hey, that, markings. Hey, that's what I do. I look for problems. Okay. Dan did bring his wife to view it, and she saw it immediately. So that was the end of that conversation. Yeah. I said, bring the wives in, ask them. <laughs> They'll decide. But no, this is, and, 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 and please, credit where credit is due. This was written, so I appreciate Bigly Nut Brown getting credit too because it's the Gnome Realms. But this, of course, was written by Yellow Cap. Uh, Bigly Nut Brown loves this article. Um, it's his, it's his, it would be in his top five favorite D&D articles of all time. But it, of course, was written by Yellow Cap. So I want to make sure that Yellow Cap gets the credit uh, that he deserves. Uh, is, he, is he like a rapper or something? Yellow Cap? He's, yeah. He, He's a lovable gnome. What are you talking about? Sounds like a gangster rapper. Bigly Nut Brown is a lovable gnome illusionist thief, and Yellow Cap Rob is a gnome what? Uh, he, uh, oddly enough, he's also an illusionist thief. How odd? Uh, what was this? He, he's, he, he's, he's not what are the a, odds? Um, he's not a link gnome? <laughs> okay. Um, and then um, you've been very nice. You've, you've put here all the episodes. And people need to understand that when they see the list of episodes— that what it talks about, the discussion will probably be only like 40 minutes of a five-hour show, right? right? So you want to like, oh, episode 24, I want to learn about gnomes. You're going to have to advance to three hours in probably. Somewhat Lloyd, I think, who's the same person. Yeah, Lloyd has been gracious enough to be going through as he is listening to him and putting timestamps in it. So that is awesome. There's wow. nothing more flattering that when you do a Grog Talk episode and the first question up on YouTube is, can you please give us a timestamp for the interview? Basically suggesting, let me fast forward past that nonsense. I'm going to try, while you're doing that, I'm going to try to pull up the picture the, for our listeners so they can see the uh-huh. a, a inappropriate picture if I still have it, which I should. Right. But Well, I think that... I'd love to see a link to Lloyd's um, timestamps. Well, he puts them in the comments uh, in each episode. Oh, He's been doing. Oh, that. great idea! So you got humanoids ranked. Um, that Rob, I I don't know that I'm giving anything away, am I, by saying that the, you were the author of this? Because I think if there's complaints, they need to be. They, well, you just direct it to the editor. Right. That's it's like true. the top ten. There's always people don't like the top ten. Yeah, here's my here's my my objection. Goblins are too low. Goblins should be number one. Which why don't you, you ask yeah. him? Did you ask him for the criteria? What? How he ranked them? What are the criteria? Well, he talks about it. Well, sorta. Not really. It's not entirely understood. That's what he says. Did you read the article? 
I read, did, read, did read the article. <laughs> yeah. Well, he doesn't say what's bad about him. He seems all to be good. That's what right. Goblins? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, that they're, they're not as good as Knowles, Flins, or Orcs. I mean, isn't that obvious? They're, no. they're number four. Flins? Flins? With so the Flins best. Being folio. What the heck is a Flind? Well, a fl- Flins are awesome. They are the best of the humanoids, except for Orcs. I mean, this the the, the, the rank, you, you're you can quibble about uh, the ranking at the lower numbers, but there's no doubt that orcs are at the top. Well, okay, I can agree with that. I don't. Know, I, I I would put goblins as number two, and, and kobolds are too low too. But okay, but that was a lot of fun. So yeah, to do rankings. So I look forward. I hope to see more of those from you because everyone loves lists. Because then you get to debate like we're doing right now, uh, and we got an adventure. Right, right. Yes. So, GM Brian, DM Brian, put a, um, and also uh, with artwork from Adrian Sanchez. Yes, and he he right. ran it yesterday for his adventure for those to celebrate the release of this. I have to ask him how it was. So and what I, I thought it was tonight. I thought it was last night, but you could. Be oh, right. I'm, I'm I'm mistaken. Let me see. I'm going to check because. And while you're checking, what I'd like to mention about this, what I like about it is, is it's short. And so it's doable, right? I mean, I think in our day and age, if you've got an adventure that you can run in a single session and be done with it, that for a lot of us, that's optimal. Oh, I'm sorry. It's this Saturday night. My Rob is 100% correct. If you want to play 6 to 10, this module, don't look at it. Don't stare at it. Just look at it 6 to 10. I'm, so I'm going to zip through it quickly. I'm not going to show it. Because he's playing from six to ten. I, I, I just want to also point out is that the uh, Adrian's isometric map is beautiful. It is it? wonderful. Gorgeous. Just gorgeous. But don't look at it until if you're gonna play. If you wanna play, go out to Discord. Uh, Brian will get you set up, or you uh, that's probably the easiest way. Go to our Discord and, and go out to game planning and hit up Brian uh, and he'll be happy to get you set up for that. So uh, again, great content. You, know, you get basically you have monsters, spells, content module. Again, just which we were floored, Dan and I. It's awesome. Yeah, and we even yeah, Len Lakafka, AD and D spell contest winning entry. Right, so right. so thank you. Uh, appreciate our sponsors. We we have some ads. We're going to add add more ads as they keep going. So. Um, actually, please support the friends of the show. Uh, we didn't charge them for our ads because, again, they're uh, good friends of ours, and, and you know we appreciate all the work. And if you want to advertise your business, uh, editor at grogcon.com. Correct, Rob? That is correct. Yep. Uh, and so there you go. And our and our and our thanks to uh, to Jason, right? Puppet Dad for uh, you know helping out with that. With you know, he, of course, he won the contest and uh, enough to give us the, uh, the his spells here. That's yeah, right. yeah, and to get to get Len Lakafka's name in our magazine is awesome because that's he's a legend, of course. And so, and, yep, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, and yeah, and so Rob, you want to just so Rob noted how I always complain about you know articles being continued on on later pages and he's well he left you a voicemail 
saying. Uh, no, you, you didn't respond to that. I guess I, w- uh, I heard it like two days ago. I, who uses voicemail anymore? Right. Um, so, yeah. So now I'm responding. So, OK. So so I guess for spacing reasons, is that right? That is correct. You know, there's a you, you need to you, you can't have the whole center of your book be uh, all one article. And I like. Can you talk a little bit about the artwork on that page, on page twenty-six with the strangleweed? Because you've asked people, artists, for depictions of certain things, haven't you? Yes, indeed. I we early on it was uh, as we all know that the monster manual, the best illustrations in the monster manual, uh, give uh, our our teaching moments for GM. Illustrative. I can't even say the word. Illustrative. Yeah, illustrative, illustrative, illustrative examples of how to use a monster. Like, for example, the piercer. You see that the piercer has, in fact, completely uh, skewered the poor adventurer down below. But there's plenty of monsters. Too many, we feel. Yes, where the where the that aren't actually killing PCs. And so I've asked some of our illustrators to um, to illustrate. The, the deaths of uh, PCs at the hands, the tentacles. Um, I, so, and earlier, and this is an example of a strangleweed uh, getting and, and killing, or in the moment of killing uh, Hugo, who is our uh, poor, he's the, he's, he's, he's going to be the victim of all the bad things, <laughs> the incomprehensible deaths that occur in. The magazine is going to happen to Hugo. So, the so, beautiful illustration by Adrian Sanchez. So, if you send in a drawing it, to increase your chance or to have any chance of it being included, you want to have Hugo being killed. I mean, if you're trying to draw a picture of, of a death scene. Yeah, you, it, 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 that's, that is exactly 100% correct. I mean, the, um, the, the, there's a lot of pictures, a lot of monsters that don't have pictures. I mean, if you want to draw an invisible stalker, for example, just be a blank. That'd be great. Gelatinous cube. Being ripped right. to pieces. Right. Oh, that's Knock a good one. Knock out. That'd be a wonderful uh, picture of an invisible stalker. It, I can see it. It's like an SPCA commercial. So many monsters do not have illustrations of them ripping apart poor characters. Right. You can help. By, right, so it's kind of like that. Well, it's, you know, the fact is, is that if you, I guarantee you that when the when a DM is leafing through the monster manual and he goes, "Ooh, look at that! Look at how that!" Yes, look yeah. at that! Look at that cool monster! Yes. That's that's privilege. That's monster privilege. And and that you get a bump in your dungeon. You that's right because if there's that's, no picture, you're probably used less, don't you think? You skip right past it. Yes, I mean, I cannot, I I can't tell you how many times. I didn't even know that uh, giant owls were a monster in the monster manual. Right. And because they don't have a picture of their blood-soaked talons carrying off the body of a, uh, of, of a gnome, for example. <laughs> right. Right. So right. some of the folks are uh, saying that, A, they want to know if Hugo's coming back for issue two. So it sounds like he is. He's going to be murdered yeah. some other way. Uh, the some of the comment was he's he, he he it looks like he's about to be murdered, but he's not actually being murdered. So some folks want it to be more graphic. It's not you know they, they want to see the actual strangling. <laughs> the actual strangling. 
I think that I think that the artist here has captured that tense moment, right? When Hugo realizes he's missed is surprise that he's missed surprise, right? And um, and we've all been there, realizing that the monster gets one to four free attacks on you, flat-footed. So. That's what we. That's what was depicted. El, there. Elron Baroon just sort of had sort of had that feeling just today. Yeah, right. Precisely. You know. So uh, all right. Well, Rob, anything else about uh, the magazine? Anything else you want to say about the uh, the next issue? Um, just as a, as far as the issue is concerned, it's a timing is which is as we are accepting uh, submissions, even as we speak. Uh, I would at, at editor at grogon.com. You can find the email at the Discord. Uh, and you can reach out to us on Discord. Most of the people that you are in this book, all the, the fine contributors, are uh, show up there a lot if you have questions. Uh, for the purposes of trying to keep this stuff, keep the Discord a little... Um, uh, what do you call it? Clean. And uh, also, if you have something you want to write about uh, and let it be a surprise to the rest of the empire, just go ahead and send me an email and we'll talk about it. We I look well, forward to everybody's uh, help, help in putting together issue two, which is hopefully will be even bigger and better. Well, apparently Lloyd was saying that there was a Kickstarter Jeff, Jeff D did for illustrations for all the deities who didn't have illustrations. Maybe that's one we could do a Kickstarter, get our artists some well-deserved credit and money, some kind of the you know illustrative guide to using monsters or something where it's just all illustrations of them in the act of murdering. Uh, that that to me would be amazing. That would be great. So that's something we. So so Dan, you work on the articles of incorporation and get working on that. Got it. I will do. And 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 Jay, so I know see it says. The Grog Talk Adventure is coming 2021, so maybe you could talk a little bit about that. <laughs> yes, that's right. So people have said you should put fake ads in. Well, it's not really a fake ad. It's uh, We've got a couple of things lined up for 2021. Um, I'm, just, I'm messing with you. No, well, I think well, I think people want to see Pixie and Glade, so I think we're going to have to do some adventure series with Pixie and Glade. So uh, stay tuned for that. That's, uh, that is what we're hoping to do, whether it's... Uh, in a module format or choose your own adventure format. That's something uh, I definitely like the idea of doing some kind of choose your own adventure. So you can stop complaining to poor Kelly who you don't like his answers. You can put 12 pages of answers for each one that we could do that. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. That's right. He'll say, yes. How, how easy do you think it is now? Right. Well, right. right. What instead of what, what's that thing? Instead of complaining, do something about it. So we'll, we'll. I think that's the idea, but that may change. So give us if you have ideas, go out to Discord and say this is what I'd like to see. Or it could be adventures of us. You know, the uh, DJ. I think it's, everyone's been asking is is there our image grog or groggy? Well, groggy is the thing that uh, the the demon idol that Dan, uh, Vic makes. I think we're DJ at this point. DJ, the two-headed troll, I think is oh, what we are. makes sense. Yeah, okay. That's the okay. name I came up with. If someone has a better name, we can go with that. Okay. So if you want the adventures of DJ, that's fine. If you want the adventures of Pixar and Glade, we're, we're looking at both. And I'm thinking of either 
something, some regular uh, episode in the uh, flipping and turning because there's just times we don't, we haven't gotten to them recently, not because we don't want to. It's just there's so much other material. So well, wait, clearly doesn't it have to be like Hugo though? Perhaps maybe I don't know. Maybe it should be Pixie and Glades. You maybe know? it's Pixie Glades and Hugo, and poor Hugo sets off traps. <laughs> he always says the yeah, red you know, the red short shirt. The dwarf. Be one of the choices. Yeah, Hugo says we should do that. We should grapple the centipede. <laughs> so grapple the centipede. Another album. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. I thought it was, I thought we based it off of, someone was asking, is it an Etten or a troll? I thought it was based on the two-headed troll. It is. Two-headed troll. Yeah. But it could yep. be an Etten, too. I mean, still. Well, like, well a, a two-headed troll, I think, has an Etten as a parent, doesn't right. it? Yeah, I think is so. Is it an and a troll? Yeah, I think yes. it's an Etten and a troll. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, inside the back cover is the listing of the Mighty Grog Empire. Yes, that's the last thing I wanted to say. So thanks to all those. These are the folks who have supported us financially, not only with, um, and so they've received titles, and so they're part of the empire. So thank you so much to those people. All right. I think that's a good segue into our last topic for today. Right. I think it's our last topic. I think so. All right. Well, our next, what is, so this is a, a late thing. So you can see Dan has become very political uh, in this yeah. season. We, we try not to. I mean, you know, we've shied away from it. But I think as we get close to the election, I really think it's, it, it, it's our, our moral obligation to get involved. And so uh, can you see my T-shirt? So, of course, yes. I, I said, you know, let's talk about, uh, let's have an election special. And so let's talk about government in D&D. So we've, we've decided to cross that line and get political. Right. So. so what is the platform of uh, VAPRAC for 2020? What are the <laughs> planks that make up the VAPRAC? Well, I think that's one of the controversial things. I don't think he's actually submitted a platform. And that's, of course, he's been subject to criticism for that. And I think rightfully so. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's basically to come to the prime material plane when he's hungry. And, um, and, and, and eat villages. So that's basically it. I mean, what would a platform for a chaotic evil deity be? I'm sure he's chaotic evil, isn't he? Uh, he's ogre, right? He's the ogre deity? It's ogre and troll. Oh, ogre and troll. Uh, I would say you're probably right. Ogre's is chaotic? Yes. It's possible. That I, think his, I think his fat brack platform would be get in my belly. Yes. Correct. Just succumb and let me eat you would be Vaprax. Yeah, so Vaprax the Destroyer, he is chaotic evil. Page 96 on the deities and demigods. Yep, yep, yep. He appears as an exceedingly horrid model brown and green humanoid. Don't let that turn you off, folks. His great strength, he prefers to tear his prey apart. This would be a good picture. With his claws rather than use weapons. I mean, you got to respect that, don't you? He's always hungry, and this is my favorite, as you know, in times of great troubles, he walks the prime material plane, robbing, killing, and eating whatever he finds in his path. So that just means that there is, he should be a possible random encounter. You could just be walking down the road, and, and all of a sudden you see a 15-foot mottled, horrid mottled brown and green humanoid, and he, you know, it'd be pretty much over. Two to twenty, two to twenty, one to twelve. So yeah, so yeah, so I I've decided that I'm I'm going to cast my ballot 
there's been a lot of speculation. I'm going to cast it for Vaprac for 2020. So that's, that's a bold statement, you know. Um, so it sounds like if you vote for him, you have because you support his uncompromising ferocity and ability to destroy whatever lies in the path that cause or causes him trouble. That's he's, the plan. He's, he's a get done kind of person. He's very efficient. Demi, a deity. Very efficient. All right. So can we? So let's. So government. Can we talk a little bit about government in in D and D then? Sure. As part of our. Okay. What would you, you like to talk about? Well, we only we have two pages basically, right? We have eighty eight and eighty nine, maybe to ninety. And so I was just interested in in finding out does does anyone really care about eighty eight to ninety? Is this is this the kind of thing that the DM cares about, but the players really just want to know where's the dungeon? Um I think if they're invested in your world, if you're trying to build a world, it's certainly very important to have that. It takes effort. So have either of you done it? Yes. Well, I think oh. ha- having a government? Yeah, so create a government. Think about it. I mean, or do you just be like, well, they're the king? Did you sit down and think about, okay, what's the governmental system here? Uh, because you've got a long list of government systems, which I'd like to point out a few of them, which I think are particularly interesting. But so I mean, it seems to me that this would take a lot of effort. Well, it, it can take a lot of effort. I think, you know, again, depending on how you're starting your campaign, and this is where I think you need to step back a few, not you need to. This is part of on page 86 where it says the campaign. And you know, right. it's interesting, and I'm sure you, if, if people are listening to us and watching us, they've watched other people's videos and, and a lot of people do a great job explaining things, but this stuff has been around 40-something years. And it's basically, Gary says at the end of the page 36, Rome wasn't built in a day. Take small steps. All you need to do is set up the town first. You know, start in the, when you're starting your campaign. You don't need to know everything. Start the town, the home base, and the dungeon that they're going into. And then you can kind of expand upon it as you need, as you need it. Um, I- and I, th- I think that if you progress from that idea of a town, while your adventurers go to that town, and why did what? And of course, why did they go to that town? Because the town is in trouble, and somebody from the town is going to come to the adventurers and say, "We we have a problem with ogres, or we have a problem with kobolds, or whatever it is." And the person who comes is the de facto leader of the town because he's. He's the only NBC you've given a name to, probably at this point. Right. And so you start with that, and then you start once the adventures are done there, you can they're gonna want to move out. And it's at that point you can start building the world. And the first question, I think, somewhat early on is are you gonna have your traditional fantasy land feudal system, or you're gonna have more of a city state? You know, maybe this hometown is where they do their whole campaign. I think that's some of the questions you start with right away. Well, and I thought what was interesting is is when you're deciding on a governmental structure, I number one, and it's not really mentioned by Gary, but are we talking about human-centric and human-dominated government systems? So the dwarves, to know what the dwarves do, to know what the gnomes do, to know what the elves do, you really shouldn't be going here. I mean, don't dwarves, elves, gnomes, don't those races pretty much already have as canon a, a fairly established structures. I mean, we know that 
gnomes, what, they have clans. Uh, aren't they going to have fairly established structures? We know their alignments, well, right? I think, I, I, think they're, I think those are the stereotypical ones. I mean, the same way that you have a stereotypical human government of a king and a set of feudal lords and ladies and, you know, and that hierarchy, the elves and the gnomes and the dwarves as listed have that. But I, I remember long, long time ago, one of the very first uh, adventuring settings that I ever played in, the, the GM had uh, everything was under the, the boot of the evil elvish empire. And uh, el- the high, high elves were evil. And everybody had to, and they were the bad guys that people were fighting against. Yeah, so so you certainly can mix it up. Um, I liked some of I liked Gary's discussion on who is adventuring. Right, once you decide on what is what government system is in the area, that's going to dictate to who's adventuring. So if you're using a traditional sort of European feudal society, you're if you're going to be adventuring, you're not going to be uber wealthy, right? So if you're the eldest son of a prince, you don't need to adventure. I mean, why would you be risking it typically unless there's some interesting backstory because you've got tons of money. You're not going to be really, really poor probably because you can't afford the training. There's a good chance that you are maybe like, you know, the third son, for example, who you're not going to get any wealth maybe under the system. So I thought that was interesting. Like, so who are adventurers? You know, are, are, are adventurers... Even let's take a thief. So you need money, don't you, to train? I mean, even originally, right, to become an apprentice, right? I mean, you don't become a thief, do you, by simply going around and stealing. You, I assume you become a thief by being an apprentice, don't you? And so don't. So generally, are, is, are the characters that are adventuring, are they typically people who have not too much money but not too little either? Yeah, there's, well, it says in the bottom of 88, um, even with such ready-made campaign settings, you may or may not wish to include social classes. Because, again, he, he kind of rails against what comes later in, in the book that shall not be named, where you set up your birth table, what, what number you are and whether you're super rich for that issue. But he says here, basically, I, I, his own Greyhawk campaign, which, of course, he's schlocking, which is good, because that came out. Mm-hmm. Um, he assumes all player characters, un- unless I personally place one who is otherwise, are free men or gentlemen, or at worst, they can safely represent themselves to be so. I also love this too. Note that the masculine human usage is generic. I do not like the terms free creatures or gentle beings. So even in 1979, they still were talking yeah. about this type of thing. So it's old as new. So he's basically saying all the PCs should be considered... You know, they're not runaway slaves or they're not kings and queens. They're basically. Um, yeah, they're not criminals that are immediately going to be rounded up. Right. You could do that, but that's not the generic fantasy land that he, great, AKA Greyhawk, set up for that. Yeah. And I liked, I thought what was also very interesting was the government forms list and some of the more interesting ones, because this got. This made me think of ideas. So I was wondering, well, can the gnome realms be an holacracy, 
run by illusionists. Because so if you notice, there's a lot of interesting ones here, which I think could lead to some very interesting forms of government for a campaign. So um, I don't know if you guys went through these, but I like, for example, there's a magocracy, government by professional magic users only, a pedocracy uh, by learn, uh, learned uh, savants and scholars, and uh, also then, of course, obviously, the, the theocracy by God rule. But so I hadn't really thought about that. So you could have some very unusual government uh, forms of government uh, based upon character. I mean, you could have one run by, I don't know, whatever character class you want, right? There's, a, uh, there's the um, kleptocracy, which is uh, a rule by thieves. Oh, did I miss that one? Hang no, on. It's not, it's so not, that's, that's, that's the one we're currently in. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that would be, right? That would be very cool, right? I mean, why couldn't you do that? So or I just, a, a dumbassocracy or something. You know, there's a whole bunch of them you could put in. But uh, in, in, uh, he quotes here in Dragon 25 at page 88, which I've put up on the screen for our listeners, where he basically recounts what he puts in the DMG and says, oh, the DMG's finished. And, and he, he does have some social class. So he kind of contradicts what he says in the DMG, but he says, well, okay, if you really want it, there you go. Um, and he put it away. I think something to remind me, remember, of, of think about is that at the same time that this is coming out, TSR had published uh, M.A.R. Barker's Empire of the Petal Throne right. uh, campaign yeah. setting. And uh, in that setting, social class is very restrictive and encumbering. So, uh, and I mean encumbering upon the player, not upon the character, or both. Uh, and so I think that that Gary is saying, hey, if you don't want to play that, don't. Oh, look, it even mentions Empire of the Petal Throne yep. right there. And and what's uh, John pointed out on that this one has anarchy, no formal government on this list. Where oh, yeah, that's right. It's different there. Yeah, anarchy. He also mentioned the city state, I believe, somewhere which gets dropped from the DND, DMG Judges Guild uh, city state. So is that the only one that's different? It looks like it probably is. I like the uh, I, I like the. Uh, I like the, uh, what is it, uh, magocracy. I'm going to have an illocracy. Or for, for the, what do you think, Rob, for the gnome realms? Illocracy? Oh, he changed it from mac, macrocy. Oops, I dropped my DMG. The holy, uh, DMG down, DMG down. Um, I'll, I'll get it later. Uh, I think now it's, now it's a, what, how's it spelled, the run by professional magic users? M-A-C-O. Um, in both of them? In the DMG oh, on that? I don't. I, I don't know. I didn't look at TM. Sorry. No, DMG is MAG. I wonder if it was a typo. I bet you it's a typo. I think it's, think it's a typo. It should be majocracy. Yeah, not a makeocracy. Yeah. And, and to answer your question, uh, earlier question there, Dan, I think gnomes are run by an anarchy. I mean, they just run amok. Right. <laughs> On the lawn. Trigging, Trick trickocracy. Uh, here and left, hither and yon. Hither and yon. That's the, that's the official platform. So yeah. here, here's the thing about it. And um, look, I think the advantage of having this fleshed out is it can and should prevent player shenanigans. 
because invariably the players want to do, you know, murder, ho- killing the, the town's keep and, you know, not have any consequences or bribing the guards or this type of thing, which may or may not work. But if you flesh that out and you make it, uh, you know, that law and order is going to be, you know, if that is the rule of the day, and again, in standard fantasy land, um, especially if you're modeling it over medieval feudal Europe, uh, these, you know, the adventurers pop into a small town, they're going to be treated suspiciously. They're not going to be open, you know, this is not like today where tourism is, is, is something to be seen. They're going to be seen with suspect. And, you know, if there's any trouble in the town, they're going to blame the strangers who got there. So I think those are some of the things you could use to either start a, an adventure, keep your players, because of course they want to have the, the video game experience. They pop into town, they trade their loot in. You know, if they show up from the dungeon in this small town uh, with 10,000 gold pieces, that should, they sh- that sh- there should be some issues. And that's kind of bleeds into the rest of the DMG, the economics. I think players don't like this because it just feels like the DM tr- constantly trying to screw them. So that's the downside to it. If you take it to um, take it to the logical step. Yeah, I mean, my my sense is that players don't care tremendously about this, perhaps unless and until they reach really high level and they want to now be what a lord or a duke or whatever, right? Or have territory, and then of course it becomes relevant. But before that, I think you're. I agree. I think they don't. It would just be used as as a constraint, I guess, of source to get them into trouble. That is, there a city watch? Are there guards? Are, are they going to be held accountable for acting in in a lawless manner? So, well, the, I, the, the, again, I, I think going what both you guys are saying, both high level characters, it also has to do with long running campaigns. That if you have played for a long time, your characters go from zeros to heroes and they are going to become more like more influential in the communities that they exist in and you know dropping in with ten thousand gold pieces is certainly going to be a, a economic hit if your gm wants to run a game like that but it's more likely to end up in the pocket of some you know some noble is going to say hey these this handful of adventurers may be helpful against my enemies. I'm going to introduce, I'm going to see how useful they are in my machinations against the crown. And if the GM wants to play that kind of a game and the players go along with it, it can be a lot of fun. Yeah. I think it comes down to Dan, you know, that's, there is definitely, and again, you know, the way he starts this part with the campaign is, he really puts the onus on the DM that, you know, in order to ascend, he kind of dip bifurcates. You can play a board game. What makes Dungeons & Dragons great is this context of the campaign that these series of adventures tie together. And, you know, you and I over the years, we'd love to do that, but there's a lot of work involved. And that's why things like Greyhawk and Forgotten Realms make a lot of sense because then you don't have to fill in all those blanks, you can just start over. But, you know, the the town I set up for my last campaign, it was basically a syndicate of various guilds who would exploit 
all these adventurers coming to free the town. They didn't really care about freeing the town. They cared about all these adventurers coming with their fresh new armor, and they would be slaughtered, and they would take their money. They were basically a gold mining town, with the gold being the adventurers coming. And so there were people who were, uh, um, you know, some people legitimately wanted the town to be saved. Others were quite happy with the, the, you know, exploiting these new immigrants to come in here. So, you know, you can use an analog of current society. I think it comes down to uh, does it support the things you're trying to deal with here? And, 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 and are they going to buy into that world? Because if you have something super structured and they're just going to keep blowing it up, then eventually your players are going to get tired of it and you're going to have, you're going to be, what, what is that? If you, uh, if you keep killing your characters, your players, you're eventually not going to have anyone to play with. Yeah, and and it is, and and just following, but it is it is a ton of work. I mean, it's just a couple pages, but wow, this would be a lot of work to to create the government, identify everyone who's in charge, and people are going to different places. So yeah, so um, yeah, I mean, I I guess for me, I mean, you know me, and so for me, the the, the only real interesting takeaway from all this is number one, I did like the discussion of how. Player characters aren't going to be, you know, think about your player characters back on why are they adventuring? What's their motive? Where do they get the money to become a professional? Because they're professionals. So where do they get the money to become a professional? Um, and I also like this idea of some very unusual sort of uh, government structures because I'm going to roll a d20 just to see what government structure we have. Oh, it's a 19. I think that's last. A syn- oh, well, there it is. Look, a, a syndicacy. By, by syndics, so like syndicates, government by a body of syndics, each representing some business interest. So yeah. that could be, right, that could be where the thieves guild isn't right. So these are like syndicates, right? So that's very that similar like to that. what I had. What I that's what I had. It, the government was a council, very loose, but actually the guilds, the thieves guild, and the assassins guild, and the merchants guild, they were the guild. They were the ones who ran, and each had a different agenda, which is sounds great on paper, but then. Here's the logistical problem, at least, especially now when you're playing online. Well, it's not actually, it's a little easier online. You've got a fighter. Okay, he's in the fighter's guild. The thief is in the thieves' guild. The assassin's in the assassin's guild. You want to keep them each busy on their separate side quests. And you want to get that intrigue where eventually they're going to fight. But if your players don't want to do that, then that's a problem too. So, you know, again, it's... You really need the players who want to buy into that kind of role playing, or else it's just um, flavor for flavor's sake, which sometimes a lot of people don't like. Yeah, I think I've mentioned before when I was running the Pelinor campaign, and they were in the uh, the City League for the very first adventure. They start in the City League, and I they're offered a tour where they can be told about the different areas of the City League, and this was my way to basically introduce the party to the different neighborhoods, what's there. And they were like, now we're good. They didn't, they, they declined the tour. <laughs> I'd done all this work to like give the tour, read, read about all the different boroughs. So, and they'd be like, yeah, that's the, this. And I was like ready to be the tour guide. And like, now nah, we decline. I'm like, okay. So, yeah. So that's, yeah, that's the life of a DM. So, uh, right. Right. so you spend all this time and you're like, some care and then some don't care. So if you don't have a – and and it's hard when you have 50-50 because then you have folks who want to do it and there's other folks. Uh, when are we fighting? 
when are we getting into the dungeon? I don't want to talk to, oh, yes, right. I am the candle maker. Right. My third cousin is the right. burgermeister of this right. ward. And oh, shoot me in the head. Right, so, right. I, but I have a very valuable quest. If you'll spend two minutes talking to me, you'll find out about, oh, goodbye. Wait, <laughs> no, come back. I have a quest for you. I have a quest for you. Right. So yeah. Well, yeah. They, they want the question mark above their, uh, you know, icon. They want the video game thing. They don't. They want the walking up and doing that. And you know, I think that's one of the things that old school games get a rap for when it's not really fair. It's just the type of players that you have. And you know, as we've gotten older, you have four hours of playing. Again, if playing equals rolling dice and killing things, then. You're wasting time with you doing all this shenanigans. And people are like, really? We're going to haggle over the thing? And, and that if you don't stay in the inn and you take off to scout, the inn mice is going to talk to the captain of the watch because you were disappeared. You know, again, makes sense, but people don't like it sometimes. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. So how, how do you guys feel about, like, the history of an area. So, you know, one of the things that I really liked about Lord of the Rings was you really got a sense of the history. You know, when they walk by something and, you know, Aragorn remembers this, that it's this from a hundred years ago or something. I just thought that enriched things. Now, in a game, though, so, like, let's say with, with like, Greyhawk, if you're, if you're adventuring in Greyhawk and you show up to an area, are you guys as players interested in knowing about what the area is like, who's there, the, the history of it, or are you just you, James, and Rob as players? Are you simply interested in like, look, you know, it's not a history lesson. I want to play D and D. Well, I think the example I'll let Rob go uh, after is the example I like to try to do, and it's hard. People don't like exposition; they don't want to read ten pages of background. Uh, the classic example that someone else has put in is you don't have to know what the Kessel Run is in in Star Wars. They don't have to. They don't explain what the Kessel Run is. But I did the Kessel Run in six whatever three whatever parsecs it was. Yeah. You explain that there's this thing. It. You have some idea. They don't have to understand it all to understand the context of it. And I think as DMs, the more we can try to introduce lore. While you're telling, while this, while the action is happening, it's better than in the year 337, King blah blah blah. And then you do the genealogy of that. No one cares about you're it. The page, right? That. So it's better to have it part of the discussion and and almost like yes. Or at the last the last uh, Goblin Wars, we you know King whatever yeah. was was lost. You know we lost that part of the empire. Ooh, what's, what's the goblin war? If they care, great. If not, they'll learn about why the goblin war was important because that sets up this thing. Rob, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, uh, similar to yours. I think that, I mean, different DMs have different styles and it depends upon how comfortable they are and where your players have role playing. If your players don't want to role play, which is what you were talking about, James, of them being, Oh, I'm, this is all wasting time. Where's the dungeon? I'm wondering why they're playing role-playing games, but we'll we'll skip, we'll lead over that for a moment. The uh, if they don't want to do that, then there's really no point. You read one box description and you start them at the at the door of the dungeon. 
Uh, I think that if the players and the DM are more comfortable with that, then there's more uh, natural ways to get that kind of history across. I mean, you could say, for example, that as your adventure comes into town and you see this, you see ru- there's there's evidence of ruins of a great uh, uh, castle that's fallen entire ruins on the up on the hill. You go into the inn. Well, the pl- you, you mentioned it. The players might ask somebody in the inn, "What's what are those ruins up there?" And then that person will only really know what they know, but they could say, oh, there was a big war with the goblins uh, in my grandfather's time. Or a little bit, you know, you can drop little bits. I don't think everybody you run into is a tour guide or right. a, uh, but, but they know a little bit. I mean, and maybe they don't know much, but they probably know. And they look at you and say, well, that's always, you know, oh, the, the giant singing statue in the middle of town. Everybody knows what that's about. It's just, uh, you know, what are you, an idiot? It's a big statue that sings. Yeah. I mean, you can, you, can, uh, you can drop it in more naturally. Uh, but you do, I think, in, in a circumstance like that, everybody that they run into can be a source of information. It doesn't have to be all true, too. It should be oh, yeah, they fact, under, what they understand. Absolutely. What? And I think those are all excellent points. I mean, I really like that idea of weaving it in. To you know, don't yeah. You're not just reading three pages because now that you're going to sleep. Weaving it in to uh, the story as the adventure takes place, and you know, having characters drop it, and then you know, of course, Rob. One of the one of the issues, then of course, is is if you do drop stuff in like that, the person says, "Oh, well, this is what the ruins are." They ask about the ruins because you mentioned the ruins. Then, of course, you know, you got you you might almost have to be prepared for a hex crawl. Correct, because the players may want to investigate. You know, if you're going to mention the ruins, the players may want to look for the ruins, and that that should be fair game. If you're going to mention ruins, oh, absolutely, it should be. If your right. players, if your players want to go in the opposite direction, you should be able to let them do that. I, I, I it's a, I'm a, I'm a believer in player agency as much as possible. So that's a risk, isn't it? So there's some tension there between if you add that flavor and that history, but you also have, I'm running B2 today, you're running a risk because you may never get to B2. You got to be okay with that, I well, would think, right? Why, why, would not, why would you not be okay with that? You're, you're, uh, you're a uh, arbiter. You're the referee at the table, the, play, the, the PCs are the players. If they want to, I mean, you you clearly let them know that there were ruins. They, right. If the if your players decide that they want to futz around down by the lake and go fishing, and you want to roll random encounters all day, that that it's their time to spend. I know, but I was up to two a.m. prepping, yeah. looking up every monster in B two in the monster manual, knowing what they did, knowing if they have extra surprise, knowing what they're. So for everyone who's got a, every character has an NPC has a spell. I'm looking up the spells, bring up the spells. Do it's grueling. To me, it is. Yes, and and it so is. the couple of thoughts there. Back to Rob's thing of player people don't want to role play. I think people don't want some players. They see the game as an avatar that they're they're moving a piece around. They either they play the same guy or gal over and over again. They call them different things, but they're literally them. You know, they're basically playing them, and and it's just a figure to play the game. 
Um, and that's a that's an acceptable way to play. They're just not as interested in growing their character because they're playing themselves, and they're you know, um, and so that makes it a little more challenging because they're not trying to flesh out their character from a personality perspective. And and I've seen that, and that's can be a challenge if you're trying to get role playing. Um, but people people just you know they they see it as an avatar of themselves. With your thing, Dan. Um, two things. A, yeah. Well, guess what? The keep magically becomes the keep on the borderlands, the, uh, the the ruins. You know, it's like you just take the dungeon, you move it over there. They don't know. We have to. The two things, DMs. Nothing is wasted. You know, if you make a a a, a dungeon, a little cathedral dungeon, you reframe it and you call it the sewer dungeon. No one, they they're not going to know the difference. You just reskin the priest, and he becomes the crazy witch doctor underneath the sewer. And the other part is. Yeah, people don't like exposition, and don't tell them, don't show how smart you are by doing three pages of how you've tied this all together. Let them figure it out, and if they don't figure it out, that's okay, too. That's part of it. You know, that's the tension of, oh, we went to the ruins, and we played around with the ruins? Well, what what did we miss in the keep? Well, you don't know, because the keep, you go to the keep later, and it's empty. You take what's in the keep, and you move it to the swamp. I'm just making this stuff up on the fly. Uh, so I wouldn't I wouldn't feel it's wasted. The challenge is if it's so far off, Dan, you have to say, well, I'm not prepared to run that. I can throw some random stuff. But if you want to, if you're not comfortable doing that, then you have to say, well, um, you have to go here. We're going to have to we're gonna have to reschedule. <laughs> we have to reschedule. Yeah. So um, that's that that's a style of play. Some I, I've moved because I've become lazier and lazier. Uh that's why I don't like running big adventures. I like doing, you know, I have five rooms, five, five sessions set up for the next adventure. And then I have random tables for everything. I spend more time on understanding, like in the city I had, that this area is controlled by orcs and this area is controlled by gnolls and, you know, this area. So if they decide, hey, we're going to go talk to, we're going to go in this area because they stole from the merchant. I at least have some idea what's in there. I don't know it's 12 orcs. So, but yeah, if you're not as comfortable with it, then that can be a challenge. And I used to be that way. I just gave up because the players were going to do whatever they want. So uh, I think that's a good, so with that, um, we've got great comments up there on the uh, thing. So again, we can keep this going on the Discord, but I think it's time for our suggestion, which uh, my suggestion is very simple. Submit to Rob your articles for issue two of Flipping and Turning. That's why I, I did the easy one. So uh, editor at grogcon.com or go on Discord. Say you want to sub, uh, contribute right into the general. Is, is that how it works, Rob? Because the grog zine is restricted at this point, correct? It is currently restricted, but uh, I'm going to – we can talk about that, about opening it up. But uh, I think that uh, I, I, one of the things that – I'd like to do is um, try to keep some of our content a surprise. So publicly saying what you're writing might, um, right? You know, you know. I, I want to do a a funny art. Oh, one thing. I want cartoons. If anybody wants mm. to draw cartoons, please draw cartoons. Uh, jokes. We need funny stuff because uh, you know that the D and D is extremely serious business so need something that uh lightens a little lightning uh, in, in in our lives 
Absolutely. Um, okay, so Rob, since you're our guest, but not really, you're part of the team, uh, how about a D10 to see how the, which Dan has already said a minus one. I don't know why, but. Uh... All right. We're gonna no, I didn't points. say mine. No, no, I don't think I said mine. I said I think we, it's a one. Oh, okay. Sorry. It would have been All a right, zero if Rob wasn't here. Hey, eight. Eight, see? Uh, really? That's great. See, it's. Yeah. Was I'm it? sure it would have been a 10, but I was here. No, I think it was a one and you brought right. it up to an eight. So you think it was the you think it was the forms of government discussion that boosted it? Yeah, that's right. I without a doubt. That's right. It's very erudite. <laughs> it's very erudite. That's right. We we highbrow. Next on um classic books or whatever. That's uh, Yeah, that's right. P- well, you know, PBS. you see these people, they read the DMG and they get like a billion more views than we do. Maybe we should just be reading from, you know. Right. The books. In the beginning, page one. Exactly. So very That's good. That's what they do. And, you know, people love it. All right. Well, I pre- Rob, thank you so much for, uh, again, this first ep- first of hopefully many. Uh, we appreciate your efforts and as a friend and someone we've played with. Always great to see you. Uh, so you. Uh, we will see you all in two weeks for the Halloween. All right. We, we're going to have a show Halloween. Dan? We're having a show on Halloween. Absolutely. So we got to think about how to make it Halloween-y. That's right. Very Halloween-y. So uh, last year we had Carlos on or Dan, maybe Vic. Maybe one of them will run a Halloween-themed thing or will run a Halloween thing. we got to come up with that. So for Grog Talk, I'm James. I'm Dan. And we will see you next time on Grog Talk. Take care. Thanks, Rob. This is Big Opposite Puppy Production. All rights reserved.